0: You're listening to an OTBAM AM podcast. You can watch the show or listen live every weekday morning at 7.45am. Subscribe to the OTB AM podcast stream for more stuff just like this.
1: Hello and good morning. I'm not watching any more of that Europa League effing shit, was the expression Owen Shane has just used here. Oh, sorry for outing you, but that was essentially what's happened.
2: I'm frustrated, I'm angry. You're not happy. With the Europa League in general.
1: Nothing worse than watching a second rate tournament with your second rate team being a second rate team. (laughs) Well, it's true,
2: isn't it? Everything about it was uh, fairly second rate. So I'm kind of a dishevelled human being this morning after watching Arsenal kind of fall to to Bate Borisov, who, even when they kind of have any sort of glimmer of talent in their team Bate Borisov it is an aged not an ageing an aged Alexander right. Klebb and already uh, well, still,
1: uh, still going still yeah, going surprise and one of your former players as well coming back to Rub your nose in it.
2: Like, you know the way when something's so boring, you just go into a daze and you're not concentrating? Mm. I was kind of like staring at the television and Kleb had popped up for about, about ten times at this point. And about the tenth time I was like, holy shit, that, that's Alexander <laughs> Kleb. Uh So it took me at that point, that's how kind of uh, bored out of my mind I was by that yesterday. But uh, yeah, so not, not exactly in great spirits this morning. I am surprised that you're in great spirits this morning because and that you're looking so fresh. Because as everybody will have seen this week, you're a huge Post Malone fan yeah seeing, absolutely he was yeah of the three arena last I loved,
1: night. I went to see them last night. I went to see them. They were great <laughs> see them yeah. uh, how was he uh, they were great now yeah there's sort of like it's four four piece instrumental, and there was a lot of people there that were of similar mind to myself just you know really keen to see post Malone play the the back catalogue and... Um, shut up and play the hits post. That was pretty much it, yeah. I think he's only really got the hits, so it's there's um, nothing else that he can, he can d- uh, dip into. No, I didn't go and see Post Malone. No, I
2: didn't. Be um, you've become a fan. His tickets are on sale this morning for a <coughs> summer gig.
1: Yeah, I mean... What day did I post that tweet? It was probably Monday, I think. Monday or Monday. Tuesday. No, maybe not long after that. I um, The 12th. So yeah, whatever the day that was. Tuesday, maybe. Um, I sort of... He's no Larry Cunningham, says Jimmy Ellen, which is a fair point. <laughs> um, I uh, I started to check out of it a small bit after that. I won't lie to you. I find it quite samey, actually. I find the music quite samey. Yeah. Like, you've heard one... You've heard three. You've heard them all.
2: <clears throat> yeah, I think that's a fair comment. But at the same time... Uh, that doesn't mean that you can't just be kind of dragged into what is banger after banger after banger, really. Mm. Uh, like, I, I think I keep myself at a safe distance from Post Malone, that I, I got to a point where I didn't like the fact that I was liking him, but I was, and then I stopped. Yeah. So uh, that, that's how I dealt with my Post Malone uh, so you're not, addiction.
1: So you're, you're just not into Post Malone anymore? It's not a. No, not really. You're I kind of. I think, I, 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 think I liked him
2: on an ironic level, and uh, then it suddenly became real when it was kind of like, oh, there's actual. He's actually playing uh, Dublin again could I actually put my money where my mouth is? And the answer was no.
1: Uh, speaking of all of those things, and I uh, no, appreciate that, by the way, thanks for that. Um, uh, sort of getting into hipster-style things that nobody else is into, like me and Post Malone. Um, you're <laughs> considering going to the League of Ireland game tonight?
2: Well, yeah, definitely. <laughs> like putting Equating League of Ireland to Post Malone is uh, definitely a nice little segue there and one that should be encouraged. For sure, like, it's, first of all, it's a, it's a strange weekend. Uh, there's not much...
1: You've Um, been so disillusioned by watching the Europa League last night that you're turning to uh, the League of Ireland.
2: Well, it's it's no uh, exaggeration to say I would 100%... Uh, rather be at a League of Ireland game than watch that Arsenal team play against Bati Borisov in the second leg. To be quite honest mm. with you, um, and like, it, and that's not kind of saying that it's it's a bad product or anything like that. It's just that this there's, there's sti- the Europa League or the League of Ireland. Well, the Europa League is a terrible product. All oh, right, okay. Yeah. Uh, just first of all, like it's it's kind of a strange weekend, isn't it? That like usually i will be at a GEA game or you kind of like work your weekend around Six Nations this time of year and stuff like that. Mm. So if you're never going to go to a League of Ireland game,
1: but uh, you would never been to a Six Nations game either.
2: I've never been to Six Nations game either. So I'm going to go to a League of Ireland game before Six Nations game, which means yeah. I'm more genuine than you. Well, no,
1: that's more definitely more genuine and more sort of hipsterish. I would say like there's you know, it well, like, I don't
2: to. get I don't get the, the hipster nature of it. Because well, what's, I, I your,
1: what's, what's your local club? Uh,
2: like I, I I'm going to try and sample a few that there's. I, I think Bowes is my closest club. Right. Uh, to where I'm living where at you? the moment. Uh, I'm living out in the north side of Dublin. <laughs> I'm, not, on, I'm not I'm not, not going to go out my address. Uh, but so the, you probably
1: have a pick of Bowes, Shelburne. Yes, that's probably about it. Really, is it? Pat isn't
2: too far away either. Um, just like on the point that it's like hipster or whatever, I think it's actually a very mainstream idea that everybody in this country wants to see football do well, and I think there's a hypocrisy there to say, oh, we need to be producing more young talents, and then you don't actually go and watch the League of Ireland. Or we need to be producing more homegrown talent. or And I think we all say the League needs to be better and then we actually don't go and support the League. And I'm one of those people, I'm one of those hypocrites. It's like those people who say, oh, the meat industry is killing the planet, we need to stop eating meat, and then they go and have five pork sandwiches a week. <laughs> that's the, that's the, the climate that's change equivalent of people who about the League of Ireland. So I'm putting my... Uh, my money where my mouth is. Uh, I don't agree
1: that you, that you can't grumble about the fact that we're not producing talent or the international team isn't better than it is and then not go to League of Ireland games. I don't agree that they are, that there's uh, some sort of link between those two things. Like, you can uh, give out about the quality of the football in the League of Ireland or you can give out about the quality of the facilities. There may be, may be many facets of reasons why you may not want to go to the League of Ireland. Um, obviously a lot of people do and uh, they really enjoy it and that's fantastic and they should continue to do that and ideally like you say in an ideal world uh, more people are going to it and it's a league that flourishes and all that sort of stuff but I don't think the responsibility is really I think the responsibility is on <coughs> Irish football to produce a product that is entertaining and good enough and has all the other uh, attributes that modern sport have in terms of good facilities and Family atmospheres and all that sort of stuff that people want to go to it. I would sort of reverse it the other way. Really? Yeah.
2: Because I, I, I would have, I, I've been pretty comfortable in the knowledge that I've been a hypocrite for the last few years. Mm. That's like I would be the first person to say, League of Ireland, I, I don't enjoy the League of Ireland. I wouldn't necessarily turn on the TV if there's something else on uh, to watch the League of Ireland game. And I realise that that's a hypocrisy because I, if Irish football was succeeding, I would be saying, well, we've got a fantastic product here and all that sort of thing. So I but think. It's, th-
1: not, it's not, it's not, there's nothing. I, I can see the hypocrisy. If, the, if you, you, what you're saying is you haven't watched the product in any great detail over the last number of years because mm. you didn't feel the product was a high enough quality. So there's nothing. There's no hypocrisy there. You I, feel I, bad actually, about
2: I actually haven't been to see it. Close up, if you know what I mean. I'm, mm. I'm prejudging it, really. I would mean,
1: watch some games on the TV. Exactly,
2: and I, I, think watching something on television is a vastly different experience to being there, particularly when it comes to football, right? Like, I think when it comes to football and when it comes to Gaelic football and to a certain extent hurling, I think go to a game before you actually make a judgment on it. I think when it comes to something like rugby, I think fair enough, there are certain technical elements that you need a commentator to help you out with. But I think there's no question that being at the stadium is a far more, is a far better experience. Mm. And like, especially when it comes to, to the League of Ireland, people who go to games all the time. Say, Coleman sample the atmosphere, yeah, 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 and look, actually just make, make your decision on it after you've actually been. So that's my new season resolution, I guess you could say. And like you, for you, you know what on Vogue things are, like you and you and Post Malone and all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like you never know what you're going to see at a League of Ireland game. Like you don't you don't know who the next Matt Doherty is going to be, for example. You don't know who the next Seamus Coleman is going to be. You don't know when he stumbled upon thing. And to be honest with you, if you're going to call me a hipster, well, I'm going to be pretty happy with myself in a few years if I end up spotting the next Matt Daugherty at one of these <laughs> games.
1: You and a few thousand other people. But exactly, um, yes. the, the less the better. <laughs> I spotted that guy, I mean um, I would consider myself to be a loosely lapsed League of Ireland fan. what happens from to you that, you're that lapsed. I mean well I so I grew up in a town that was very much a football town that had a tremendously successful football team <clears throat> when I was a kid in the '80s were winning leagues, and it was really uh, attractive from a football and atmosphere. The facilities were awful like some of the worst that I've ever been at. And they've since, at Lone Town, uh closed that ground and moved to another ground, um, which is which is a far cleaner uh, thing and all that sort of stuff. But I've, unfortunately, the football is going in the opposite direction. Um, and like it was a thing to be at, and all my mates were going to it, and the quality of the football was really good. And, um, you know, you could smell the dressing room. Like There was a lot of reasons to go to this thing beyond... I wasn't. I was never. I, as a kid, was never going to go. My dad was never going to go. Bring me to watch the football on the basis of us helping to improve Irish football. Yeah, we were going because it was a great atmosphere and the football was good.
2: It certainly seems that way, and that obviously has kind of lapsed over the years from your perspective. Like the, the other thing that I was just saying, it's a very basic thing. It's been spoken about all the time. Which is just Friday nights are such a big plus. The, the fact that it doesn't really clash with many things, usually, uh, on a Friday night, and it's it's just a perfect day for any sort of sport. I always say that, like, I, I know kind of people's jobs and all that get in the way of the GEA ever doing anything like that, but it's a, a fantastic evening for a game. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, what against Finn Harps tonight in, in uh, Delimount? I mean, you could do a lot worse with your weekend than, than, than pay 15 quid to go and watch that.
1: Are you at the point where, like, you need to pick a club now? Is that
2: sort of you? I, I'm, I'm all, I'm, I'm open for the taking by a club but, if, if, if Bowes play total football tonight I'm a Bowes fan Sometimes right, right. Yeah, Bowes till I die I'm easily Bowes till I die right. right now it's bowls till tomorrow <laughs> but it will be bowls till I die if, if they win and, and win in an attractive manner tonight
1: your point about the viewing of sports uh, in the venue versus on TV is an interesting one and like um uh, having been, and I know you discussed this earlier in the week at Anfield last weekend, um, it's just weird. I knew you, I you would need to watch the game back to actually have a proper sense of the game really was my main thing. They, they may, I don't know if they have TV screens at Anfield, certainly where we were sitting, we couldn't see any. No, So it isn't. meant that if you missed something, you just weren't seeing it back. So, like, there could have been the most incredible piece of skill, which uh, we were fairly far removed from the action. You can't, you could sort of have some sort of appreciation for it, but generally you're going to miss it. Uh, whereas on the TV, you've seen it for the fifth time in a replay and you're like rolling around your floor look about what an amazing piece of skill that was. Um, and when you're at the ground, it's a moment that is just gone and the crowd goes, woo, and it's done. Um, There's a beauty and, to that
2: as well sometimes.
1: Oh, there is, yeah, there definitely is. Um, there definitely is, but like even great goals like the Winaldum goal was a really brilliant goal. Mm, They'd look crowd to see got it mad again. for. And it was gone. Like, literally, 30 seconds later, once the crowd went, the game got underway, crowd died down, end of.
2: What I love about those things, and you get it at quite a lot of GEA games, is afterwards, people are like and this person did that, and you're like, I actually forgot about that. Yeah. Because it hasn't been ingrained into your head, because you've only seen it once, and once only. And
1: also you're half-lathered. Yeah, so
2: well, there is that. And yeah. uh, like there, there are other elements where it kind of leads to the intrigue, where it's like, was that really a penalty? Like you were standing at a terrace 100 yards away, and you, you can't really see it properly. So I think I think it kind of adds to that mystique in some scenarios. But I do agree. Like, if, if you're watching a rugby game without big screens, I think you're screwed. Mm. Simple as that. Uh, I think even if you're at a rugby game, it's very hard to actually get a full picture of what's going on. Like, Quinn Roo's performance last weekend, for example, would have been impossible for me to appreciate uh, unless I was watching it I... on television. Depending
1: on where you were, probably, as well. Like, I've definitely been yeah. at games at times where you're quite close to the pitch. It, your different experience, actually, at the ground, as it just strikes me as we're chatting about it, is probably dictated to by where you are in the ground. Like, yes. I've often been at games. I remember one of the first times I went to Crow Park and sat in, what was the Canal End Upper... Looking down at the pitch and getting a sense of the tactics in, from that sort of is uh, that for football on view? Yeah, for football. Yeah,
2: behind the goals for hurling is a disaster, right? Because you, you like may that. as well forget about what's going on at the other side. You need yeah. you need to get somewhere in between the two forty fives. I think it goes for football as well, but at least you can appreciate again, it behind. Right,
1: the goal. I actually sat in the lower canal for I think maybe the last two hurling finals, or maybe there was a semi final thrown in there. And look, you're right. Once actually, the ball goes maybe even your side of the halfway line or certainly beyond that there's literally nothing you can see and even over the where I was sort of tucked into a corner even over the other side of the pitch it's gone but by the same token there was loads of stuff that was absolutely brilliant about it like the angle of I remember one of the goals that went in sort of across the pitch and up in, across the goal and up into the stanchion uh, like that was there was no better view in the ground for it it just depends where you are right? like you could be low down halfway on the sideline you're getting the manager's view that's one experience you're high up in the ground you're seeing the tactics Side on, that's another experience. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's where I'm at in life, but it's very hard to beat watching it on the TV. If there's a game that I'm... If I'm watching sort of Leinster or Ireland, which are probably two of the teams that I would, in rugby, uh, have most support of, uh, be a supporter of, uh, I want to watch them, really, if I'm really interested in them and want to get into the nuts and bolts of it, I want to watch it at home on my own, on the TV.
2: Well, the ideal situation is actually getting it in the stadium and then having it ready to watch back when you get home, if you have that time. Yeah. If time is no object, but unfortunately yeah. we, you've got things to do and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, I, I think it's hard to be being there. Like, and also the trade-off is the is the atmosphere worth it for sometimes an inaccurate viewing experience? I think there's only one sport that you can name in the world that kind of has that imbalance between the atmosphere and actually what you see, and it starts. <laughs> like, I can, I, I've never been to the darts. I've been UCF all. Well, yeah, you're
1: watching it on a big screen. Yeah, I've like been it, to the darts, and it was shite. As if, sorry, it was an excellent experience. It was brilliant. Yes. It was fantastic. I've been to the cricket. Unbelievable day out. Like, fantastic. One of the best sporting events I've ever been at was a, a one-day cricket match. A, sorry, it was a test cricket match. It was one day of a test cricket match. Brilliant stuff. Didn't see a scratch of action. Really?
2: Well, you would have thought that it would be fairly I suppose, if it's when they're reviewing potential wickets.
1: It was not, it was, was, like, anything that was going on at the pitch, quite apart from my understanding or lack of it, had nothing to do with the enjoyment of the day. Uh, It was like some of the fielders going over and signing a few autographs, bit of sort of banter between the crowd and the players over and back. The darts was like this tiny little dot that you could barely see up on the stage, and you just really had no interest in anyway. It
2: probably got smaller and smaller and smaller, with each pint you had as well, to be fair.
1: Um, well look and enjoy the night we'll hear about it next week I presume there's going to be a full uh, yeah. Section. oh
2: yeah big time big time without question
1: is there a chance you're just going it's to ditch it's out, this
2: out it's uh, three, three points for the Bob Marley boys tonight <laughs> um,
1: right if you've got any thoughts on any of that do get in contact with us we want to hear from you what's the best sport uh, sporting occasion you think uh, that you've been to or the best sport to go and see versus on TV so we want to hear all your thoughts on that we'll bring them uh, to you between now and after nine o'clock as well, and a bloody pack show we have for you as well. This morning we're going to uh, get stuck into the sports pages very shortly, give you a flavour of what's going on there. We're going to be going live to Connecticut in about five or six minutes' time, where Gareth A. Davies, the uh, combat sports journalist, is standing by, who's going to talk to us about the news that Anthony Joshua is going to fight a big baby. So that's uh, coming your way in about five or six minutes' time. We're going to preview the weekend of Hurling with Jamie Wall. That's uh, just before half past eight. He, of course, guided uh, Mary I as well into the Fitzgibbon Cup final last night, so we'll get his thoughts on that too. Uh, Ronan Lagara is going to join us live on the line from New Zealand. Just where in New Zealand, we're not sure, but uh, he does have a big game as the Super Rugby season kicks off tomorrow. He's been busy prepping and uh, will be busy tomorrow coaching in that, so are going to get uh, Ronan's thoughts for you at about a quarter tonight. Alan Quinlan in the studio as well. Uh, and Joanna Reardon, the activist and journalist, is going to join us uh, just after 9 o'clock on the back of a piece uh, an opinion piece that she had written in the papers yesterday in relation to her thoughts about the uh, award scheme that we spoke about on the show last week. So just interested to flesh that out with Joanne a little bit more. That's coming your way after nine o'clock. So it's a pretty packed show, as you can uh, tell. And we're going to uh, chat to you about all of that stuff uh, over the course of the day. So... Get in contact with us, don't be shy with your comments, we want to hear from you between now and uh, quarter past, half past nine, a quarter to ten, or ten o'clock, or whatever time it is that we eventually decide that we're going to leave you. Uh, but it is coming up on five past eight on this uh, Friday morning, we're delighted to have you with us. And we're going to kick things off, I think, uh, with the newspapers and let you know exactly what's going on on that front. And we're going to start indeed with the Irish Independent today, Kerry Dublin stars facing bans after uh, Tralee Malie. I mean, it's got to be up there straight off the bat for a tab of the morning to you uh, Objuglick and small hit with proposed suspensions following ugly post-match Rao writes column Keyes here it's a story that's covered in a lot of the papers this morning and uh, I've watched back a lot of this footage uh, of the Mali at the end of the Shemozal skirmish at the end of the game <clears throat> to try and establish exactly what blame John Small or Bruno League had in this entire thing. And it's very difficult to tell. I know that the C would have been operating with different angles and wider angles and more footage. It's very difficult to tell who's actually to blame for this thing.
2: Well, it's very hard to, play, to pick somebody to blame from what we actually saw on RT slash air last weekend. So the director clearly had a shot of what was going on and then cut to it after a moment or two. So you actually miss the vital moment of what started. So we can't see it, but there was a camera on that, you'd assume, mm. or even just the overhanging camera that that kind of goes behind the goals would have some view of what actually sparked this whole thing. So you have to trust that they've got the two correct parties there I can't really say I haven't even watched the game back yet and I kind of missed the start of it as well being there live but certainly just watching that incident back this morning you can't tell from, from your armchair what happened there but you'd like to think that the CCCC have actually got the original raw camera footage from that particular camera or cameras and uh, have, have come up to, with the correct decision so John Small has obviously got a two game ban because it's second infraction in the space of 48 weeks Bruno Bioglio, it's his first infraction so he's going to miss one game which is uh, the goal of the game
1: it was some sort of an attempted kick it seems like one of the papers has this morning that that was his infraction like as i said it was just almost it was impossible to tell there was one l- interesting little sort of wrinkle to it just after the mallee kind of had broadly broken up and now Scully's walking across the pitch and one of the uh, it seems like one of he's one of the Kerry backroom staff can't absolutely say that for certain but looked like it was one of the Kerry backroom staff was kind of walking through a bunch of people and sort of had walked around the corner and sort of brushed shoulders with Scully who took uh, exception to this and pushes the guy back? And there's a little bit of over and back about it. Um, I don't know. It all seemed to me to be, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, relatively harmless. Actually, I
2: uh, completely agree. Completely agree that it was just enhanced, uh, an enhanced schmazzle. There, there was like kicking is a fairly serious charge. Actually, I'd, I'd like to actually. It was,
1: and the, I, I haven't got the right expri- expression actually because it was in the, uh, I think it was in the Examiner uh, this morning, we, and we will dig it out and we will. Bring clarity to that, uh, but it was on the mild end of it. It wasn't. It certainly wasn't suggesting a full-on swinging kick. It was, I'm going to kick you, and then at the last minute, I've sort of withdrawn the, right, uh, okay. the effort.
2: Right. Okay. See, it seemed that that would kind of sum up the schmozzle perfectly. That a headlock was perhaps the worst thing that anybody endured. Throughout the yeah. course of this, a uh, bit of a
1: hard nuggy or whatever.
2: Exactly, a nuggy uh, like that's that's so about the official it. Official terminology for kicking the shin or something like that is probably yeah. as bad as it got. Uh, it was just the amount of people that made it look bad, and it, it, it was it wasn't it was a bit different to sort of the, some of the violence we've seen in GEA pitches over the past couple of months. Which, to be fair, if it was, we would be saying that it, it was a terrible sight to see. But I don't think it marred the game. I don't think it had any effect on the spectacle or what people were left with. As I was saying earlier in the week. Like Dublin are so unused to actually having a, a good old game that their adrenaline had to be channeled somewhere. Yeah. And Carrier... like I think everybody was just so unused to good Gaelic football. Do
1: you know what? Actually, looking at it at the end, the cameras at the end were on Michael Darmacauly and whoever was beside him as the game wrapped up and it was five minutes of added time. Fenton had just missed a long-range f- uh, point, uh, point effort and uh, it just slipped a little bit wide. And it struck me that... So you're at that heightened point of tension as a player where you're... Every sinew of your being is trying to win the ball back and trying to get it over the bar. And then suddenly, in a split second, it's over. So the bubble has burst. It's all done. There's nothing I can do now. And it must be very difficult to get from that high to back to a level of normality where you're in a position to say to your opponent, "Isn't well done, thanks very much, great game. Like, there is a heightened... Like, it's the thing that we see in post-match interviews all the time where players come up and they're... Like emotional or more giving than it would normally be and it's like it, I'm not surprised what I'm saying, that it's a fraught situation because yeah. the heightened sense of emotions of players. And
2: heightened further by the fact, as I say, that they haven't actually been in that situation too much over the last year or so. Yeah. Like yeah. Dublin haven't been in that situation once in the last 12 months. I'm, or so, I'm Sorry, one, once, but like once or twice maybe when they got beaten in the league last year. Yeah, But really, but over you're the course of an Dublin's, entire championship, they...
1: It's Dublin's fault then is what you're saying. Not at all. It's all du- double, like, doubler to blame here.
2: They, they basically had ten minutes to cool down at the end of each championship game they played last year, and I know they'll say that they kept the, the foot to the pedal for all of those games. Ah, yeah, but you just but don't really that It's, in not, it's game not the
1: same. Look, easy. no matter what you say, it isn't the same dynamic as trying to get a point in the last play no, of the game,
2: for sure. And also in kind of a cauldron where their fans are at best finding parity, let alone overpowering the opposition fans and the noise is kind of against you. Like the, Everything we're talking about here, by the way, is just such a great moment for Dublin. Mm. As in, this is the thing that's going to kick them on further. That yeah. uh, a, a beast, The beast has not been created. The beast is already there, but the beast is yeah. being poked a small bit. Well,
1: I mean, I think you're also poking the beast.
2: Like, well, I'm not really. I'm just kind of giving facts here, to be honest. I think, as I say, the, the beast is there already.
1: For kicking with minimal force, uh, John Fogarty and Michael Moynihan reporting.
2: Uh, um, I've never actually heard that charge it's handed out before. Kicking with minimal force. So was it like a little toe poke?
1: I kind of think it was like, oh, I'm going to kick My you foot. right in the thigh, And then at the last second... No, it's not better than that because I'm going to get a ban. I'm going to get banned for it.
2: Maybe a double man was holding onto his foot and he just shook
1: him off, <laughs> is <that> kicking him <laughs> with minimal force. Uh, that is the Irish Independent this morning. Also, uh, shot there of Aaron Gallan who shot the lights out by all accounts and Ennis last night in the Fitzgibbon Cup for Mary Eyes. They went into the through to the final at any YG's expense. One twelve, uh, Aaron Gallan scored and he's there with his manager Jamie Wall after the game last night. Uh, cost of United sackings since Fergie exit reaches thirty eight million euro. Uh, Writes Chris Bascom here as well. Um, I mean, the vast majority of that money has gone to uh, Jose Mourinho. He of that uh, in the Euro sense has picked up twenty two million of that thirty eight. Like other than that, that's the kind of figure that really jumps out. Mourinho gets twenty two million of thirty eight. Actually, the other payoffs post Fergie, kind of reasonable enough. Like it's sixteen million over. Actually, what turns out to be, I mean, it must be at least four managers. Yeah, uh, on top, uh, maybe five, including Mourinho. Um, it's not actually... What I'm saying is 16 million over that number of managers is not a huge amount of money. It's Sorry, this is everyone posts. posts me, so you're, yeah.
2: you're including gigs, you're including Moyes, you're including Van Hal.
1: I don't know what gigs have been paid off. Probably but not. it's
2: only two, really, then, in, in Moyes and yeah, Van Hal, actually, yeah. prior, to, prior to Jose. It's a massive amount of money. Eight I, million.
1: Eight, they, so they get eight million each, and, I mean, uh, yeah, broadly. And Mourinho gets 22 million. It's
2: it's remarkable. Like uh, George Mendes is clearly brokered an incredible deal for him there when he put pen to paper for Manchester United. Mm. I guess, from a United perspective, they may never have thought that they would have been in that situation of sacking him at that point. But then again, he did put down two seasons. I don't know, it's... uh, Well, yeah, do you know what? Is is this like the biggest rewarding of failure that we've seen?
1: He's uh, What was the expression about Wenger? Uh, An expert in in failure. I mean, you could class him as an expert in failure given the amount of money he's made out of it. But, uh, like, the more... Some of the pieces that even that I've uh, listened to of Mourinho in his final days as United manager that I've happened to hear over the last few days, you almost start to think that he was trying to actually get them to sack him. To get
2: €22 million? Euros? You're saying that Jose Mourinho would actually want that money? I I, we, we surely can't be saying that Jose Mourinho was trying to get himself sacked for that sort of money.
1: Uh, The Irish Examiner this morning, seasoned campaigner, uh, because I'm nearing the end, everything is more intense, says the uh, Cork player uh, Bennett here, this is uh, Liam Mackey who's writing, there's a pretty extensive League of Ireland preview uh, in the Irish Examiner this morning, and a very long uh, piece here with Alan Bennett, Uh, 37-year-old, that's the Irish Examiner this morning, and also uh, Ronan Agar's thoughts ahead of his return to Super Rugby this weekend, Uh, we'll be picking those up with him um, in a little bit, Alan Quinn will be joining us in the studio as well for all of that, that's the Irish Examiner this morning, the Times-Ireland edition, Mourinho gets 15 million payoff, as the headline there, Chelsea back on track as Arsenal stuttered, as the photograph from last night's Europa League action, um... Warnock's son under scrutiny is another story here Cardiff City accused of breaching FA rules regarding uh, intermediaries because of their extensive use of an agency who employed James Warnock who's son of the club's manager Neil Warnock um, is that piece there you do hear that from time to time Alex Ferguson was another one who was in that boat at one stage of his career who I think successfully uh, defended um, any allegations of wrongdoing against him and his son as well um, and Ian Henderson Looks to really be back in For the Irish rugby team As well as the other Story there Finally for me For the minutes The Irish Times Badly needed victory Eases the pressure on Sarri and Chelsea I mean does it really? Uh, Chelsea winning 2-1 At Malmo last night Does it really ease The pressure on them In a lot of ways You kind of think that it I'd
2: say happen. Roman Abramovich Doesn't know what The Europa League We've is just,
1: Well exactly We've just been describing This tournament as A bit of a secondary tournament um, I can't imagine Chelsea Or their fans ...are overly enamoured about it one way or the other. Celtic beaten 2-0 uh, at home uh, against Valencia, so it's off to the Mistea for the return leg, and they're 2-0 done, and uh, Arsenal slip with Lacazette denied goal and sent off. That's the uh, Irish Times this morning.
2: Back page of the Irish Daily Mail goes with humiliation, and a picture there of Alexandre Lacazette with two hands, kind of cradling his face after he got sent off last night for a fairly stupid swinging of the arm on a badé Borisov player. They've lost 1-0... Last night, Sonland's bumper new deal at Spurs as well, says the back of the Irish Daily Mail. So he got a pay rise last year to up to around 110000 uh, 110, pounds a week, and now he's looking to go up to around one hundred and fifty thousand pounds a week, closer to Delhi Alley level. So he's been an unbelievable form. And probably he's worth it,
1: isn't he? Because he surely will be attracting interest from some of the bigger clubs as well. If he was, if there was any sense that he might be in a position to leave that club,
2: for sure. Youngman Son has become. The most highly rated, underrated player in currently playing in the <laughs> Premier League. Hipster's choice. Hipster's choice, except now hipsters are ditching him because everybody is talking about him. Also an interesting one here by Philip Lanigan on the back of the Irish Daily Mail. A Kerfin denies spying on ri- rivals Guido. So Kevin Cassidy's been stirring the pot this week. He says, We came to Dublin to play St Bridges in a challenge match, and they had two or three cameras there filming the game. They have everything tied down. That's why they're at the top, because they leave nothing to chance. But then the current Finn chairman has come out to the night. Michael Ryder has said, any neutral is entitled to go to a match, but we had no one picked to go there. We didn't even know they were playing. We heard about it after all, right? But no, we don't go there. So no spying going on. Uh, so Guido not falling victim to Marcelo Bielsa esque tactics. It McCurfing. wasn't just even
1: one camera; it was like three, a three-camera setup. There's nothing subtle about that.
2: Just a, a, a vision mixer there, <laughs> uh, like mixing everything from a from a curved in perspective, <laughs> is what they had. Like at least um, Guido kind of know what it's like because, of course, Danny Gall are are experts in the old spying game. Oh, uh, it
1: always comes back to the little bit of a carry angle. Well, you know, it, it, it didn't work out for them in the end. Did a it a tree that's been since chopped down in case anybody yeah. missed that when we spoke and about burnt. it a few weeks ago. Will, the, will a week go by where we won't mention Johnny Gall going no. on Kerry? I don't think so. No,
2: every week every long may it last. If you can if you can make it happen every day, that'd be my ideal situation. Back page of the Herald is Small Worry for Jim, Dubstar and Kerry player hit with bans from a Lee in Tralee. i have also gone with the rhyming slang there. Um, like the John Small thing like they say small worry for Jim. Like it is a bit of a worry. Mm. just a little bit of a worry because from my mind, John Small was playing really well last Saturday night, flying. And I think when you're in that position where a lot of players are coming back from pre-season, everybody who's hit the ground running is vitally important. You look at someone like James McCarthy as well, in the, the same sort of realm as John Small, as somebody who's hit this league in very, very good form. They play Mayo next. If they get beaten by Mayo, it's, it's kind of curtains on their league final preparations, or on their league final hopes, I should say. Because I would say that Jim Gavin probably wants another crack at the league final, does he? Ah, Given the option, um, they could be relegated. I'm not saying relegation. I'm, I'm still very much keeping Dublin in the league final picture here. You're right. because they are Dublin, and there's every chance they just go and win the rest of their games. Yeah, we'll see. If they win the rest of their games, they probably make the league final.
1: Yeah, I mean, they surely will. But um,
2: because Kerry and Mayo will slip up uh, At further. Any word on Cluxton? Cluxton, it hasn't been said yet. But you presume he's going to come back. Very shortly. I I just don't know what the situation is with with Stephen Cluxton. Just hasn't played yet. Just hasn't played yet, is right. Uh, Back page of the mirror is the price of failure. Mourinho pocketed £15 million payoff from United despite being axed as season fell apart. And the back of the star shows Brendan Rodgers and Scott Brown Boys facing Europa exit. They were beaten 2-0 by Valencia at home last night. And you've also got that uh, Kerry and Dublin story. Band, small and up facing suspension. And you've also got that Jose story. Plenty of League of Ireland preview as well. A 12-page pullout in the Irish Daily Star this morning. Back of the sun then is Red Mist. Pog thumped locker in rage at sending off. And Ole gave stars the hairdryer over Europa a over Euroflop, I should say. It's an exclusive by Neil Custis and Richard Moriarty in The Sun this morning. An angry dressing room, apparently, after the Paris Saint-Germain defeat Pogba punched a locker. Ole All Solskjaer sh- shouted at his players. Incredible scenes from a, a defeated dressing room. And JT helped enough for Rice. So this is another exclusive. Declan Rice chose to play for England after seeking out the advice of John Terry. Uh, West Ham star turned his back on Ireland and asked FIFA uh, let him sw- switch, etc., etc. And the key to the move uh, was John Terry. I'm trying to find the actual quote here. Um, Even if I turn to page 48, I'm sure I'll be able to stumble upon uh, a quote, but actually there isn't any quotes about this. But I'm sure John Terry did have a word with him. Uh, A vital character, perhaps, in how Declan Rice views uh, modern... Uh, English centre backs because of course he is one of them now isn't he he's, a, he's an English centre back it, it kind of feels hard to actually say that at this point that Rice that ilk, so.
1: Yeah, I th- it's the John Terry friendship is something that's been spoken of for a while and yeah. uh, I certainly at some point or another I remember reading something that I thought oh they're not actually there's not a friendship here it's just that they are some, they've been they're acquainted with each other and there's some infrequent contact but I mean we were always onto a bit of a loser to be fair if he was going to ring John Terry and say what should I do pal weren't we? Yeah, do you know what? Do you know what, Declan? Best thing for you, I will be declared for the Republic of Ireland. Could have rang right. Richard Dunn as well. Unlikely.
2: A back page of the Racing Post is aiming high. Watford can stay on course for first final since 1984. They're up against Queen Park Rangers tonight. Queen's Park Rangers tonight in the FA Cup it kicks off at 7:45. And the back page of the Guardian. Then finally. Is a picture of Olivier Giroud and Ross Barkley as they won in the Europa League last night. Uh, Europa gain and pain, then, uh, is the headline beside that because they talk about Arsenal getting beaten in uh, Belarus, Bate Borisov, and the £20 million farewell as well. Across most of the back pages today, Jose Mourinho is a rich man.
1: All right, we're going to talk uh, boxing with Gareth A. Davies in just a little bit. He's going to join us on the line from Connecticut uh, to discuss the news that Anthony Joshua is going to fight a big baby in Madison Square Garden in uh, June, and it's a big baby who wears a bloody big nappy. Have you seen this guy?
2: Yes. Uh, like he, he's obviously been doing the rounds for a while. You, he's always going to be on the radar for one of these guys. Yeah. But if you told me 12 months ago that Anthony Joshua was going to be the person who'd step up and fight him, I would actually kind of be isn't, a little bit surprised. Isn't
1: it like almost, we'll discuss with Gareth, but it feels like actually that's exactly where Anthony is at.
2: Unfortunately so, from his perspective. I, I don't think it's been a very good six, seven, eight months for Anthony Joshua, despite the fact that he's still got that pristine record going. Yeah. Like there is like, I'm not saying he's anywhere close <laughs> to the level of padding his record at this point. But there is uh, a point where you're sitting tight for a little bit too long. Now, there has been some suggestion, and granted this is from uh, Tyson Fury, that uh, the Eddie Hearn camp were pretty tough to negotiate with uh, from a Deontay Wilder perspective last year, because we thought that that fight might have happened. And then Deontay Wilder's camp were like, nah, we're, we're not having whatever terms you wanted. And then the Wilder fight, the Wilder camp decided to go with Tyson Fury instead. Now, granted, that information comes from Tyson Fury, so it, it was in his interest to say that. But still, there are things coming out, there are things being said. And the, the idea that this Wembley fight is now not happening in April, it seems, is a, is a pretty big blow, because... Like, you, you kind of look at the atmosphere in Wembley and you're like, "Geez, that'd be a good thing to 90, go to. people. people. Well, exactly. And I'm sure there was people before Christmas, boxing fans in the UK and in Ireland, who were thinking to themselves, I'd love to go see Anthony Joshua and his pomp and I'd love to go over to Wembley and watch him.
1: There's a sport that you're probably better off being at than watching on TV. Yes. Because you get probably the best of both worlds like largely they're not ninety thousand seater stadiums like even madison square garden is nowhere near that that mostly they're like even the biggest sort of ufc fights or boxing fights that are in vegas actually the live audience is pretty small so it's pretty uh you get you're, wherever you are you're going to get a pretty good view and you've also got monster screens um to see any of the sort of replays between rounds and stuff like that so uh, there's a sport definitely better off being out than watching on tv have you been to a big fight night uh, I went to see Kenny Taylor at London 2012. I don't know. Do you describe that as a big fight night? Um, Great atmosphere. There. Been to the National mean. Stadium for some fights. Uh, been to Madison Square Garden when there's been no boxing on. Um, that's about it. I think. Yeah.
2: You? No, I'm not. Uh, I'm trying to think. When's
1: he Bernard Dunn win his world title. I was fight? thinking. Yeah, I, was I was thinking
2: anybody who's working in the yeah, sport a yeah, 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 years yeah. ago. It's coming up the ten, ten, ten year anniversary. True. That and Is it really well. Like, did you? Where did, did everybody watch? The big game that day as well because obviously it was it was
1: Grand Slam decider day. In I, that, the, that was the world title fight that you were talking about. Sorry, what are you sure talking about? I was actually at the, I was at the Grand Slam uh, game that day in Cardiff. I wasn't at the world title fight. I was at the fight that he got beaten by Kika Martinez Sorry. in right. ten seconds, whatever it was. Um, so that's my track record of going to see boxing. You're just
2: a bad luck for boxing in general except for I was Kay- Kay-
1: I mean except for you know You've
2: got to check record. greatest
1: thing to have ever happen in Irish boxing
2: best out of the 3 is is up next it would be great to see some of those huge fight nights come back to Ireland again i know they're very rare and not every country except for like the superpowers of the UK and USA can actually claim to have them mm. that we were lucky to have got one mm. but it's still kind of like like them to return a small bit. Maybe if the likes of Michael Conlan go on and reach the heights that he can possibly reach over the next couple of years, we'll actually get to that level. Yeah. Um, but like, the not, I I don't think anything in the short term will get to the level of the Bernard Dunn mania.
1: You've a lot of live sports catching up to do, by the way.
2: Yes, I do. You know, I I I always uh, I, I've left the tickets to this point to the genuine fans. Now it's now now it's time to think. Uh, now it's time to do an agent. Are you going to
1: work at the League of Ireland? Are you going to go in? So you going to like buy a ticket and go in? or Are you going to yeah. go in on like? So you're not going to get like a season ticket and sort of go in with that? No. All right, okay. Why would I do that? Just a thought. The only thing I can expand on my... <laughs> no, i <need> that. <laughs> going to talk to you next. James O'Connor is standing by. It's a busy weekend with the Hurling. We're going to get his thoughts and all of that. Before that, Dahi Regan was on the show, uh, the Hurling show, uh, last night. And he was uh, talking about his impressions of a very special Limerick team that seemed pretty intent on building upon last year's All-Ireland success.
3: In Division 1, in the premium division, I think it's been very interesting. I mean, Limerick is All-Ireland champions, without a doubt, and obviously have are the standout package. I mean, their performance against Tipperary in the second half uh, sent out reverberations for me. And if it hasn't done, it should do from the uh, from the other contenders because in every aspect of where Limerick are and what Limerick are doing at the moment, that was pretty extraordinary, that second half. And, in in and what way? A lot way? of people seem to... Well, it was the sheer dominance. Man for man, it was the sheer dominance. It was the strength, of physicality. It was the power. It was the confidence. It was the depth in the squad and the depth in the bench that they had. It was the surety that they played with. For all Ireland champions, I mean, there doesn't seem to be any residue there whatsoever of, of tiredness or a lack of sharpness or let's... You know, try and blood as many of the, the squad players as we can, and target kind of May, the latter end of May for championship. This is a team that's gone out to win every single game, and I applaud them for taking uh, that route and that stance on things because winning just creates an incredible mentality. Physically, the physique of the Olympic players hasn't dropped one iota in the, in the space of the last uh, four or five months. There's been no evidence whatsoever that the celebrations have in any way sated the appetite. And I've, I've said this before, I don't recollect seeing a bunch of players or management so focused after winning in All-Ireland.
1: Z O'Connor, good morning to you. Good morning, Adrian. I don't know how much of that you go along with, but anybody who's sort of been reading any of the reports this morning from Ennis last night uh, can even further buy into that theory that Limerick are going to walk it again this uh, year.
4: Well, I wouldn't quite go that far. Um it's still a very early days, Adrian. It's it's you know, the middle of February. Uh but certainly, I mean, you know, as Dahi alluded to there, what what we've seen so far from Limerick has been, you know, really impressive and um you know, I was in Cusack Park for the semi final yesterday as well and I thought Gallan was, was magnificent. Um you know, it, it, it wasn't so much you know, it's just the flashy things he did the scores he got or whatever, but it was the bread and butter stuff, the ball winning, the the selfless, you know, the hook and the block and the tackling, the the, the laying off you know, passes to players in better positions. And, um, you know, I, I thought, as Dahi said, he was in, you know, unbelievable physical condition. Looks have got physically stronger. Um, and Joe O'Connor, was a limit-stranded coach, who was with Clare back in 2013 as a, you know, as a regard as, as you know, one of the top guys in the country. And certainly, you know, the limit players look like them. Yeah, they haven't dropped their standards. And with the depth they have, um, they're the benchmark now for everybody else.
1: Just like Galan scored nine points, uh Couple of weeks ago, one twelve last night. and I know you're saying it's not all about the scores, but is there something else you're seeing about him that he's sort of ready, almost to kick it on a level again. I mean, despite the bloody phenomenal 2018, kick it on again uh, this year. Yeah, well, I mean, again, it, like he looked like the best player on on the
4: pitch yesterday. You know, he looked like a guy who you know had an Ireland medal and, and played with the poise, as well as the the confidence, um, you know, of having having done that. And you know, Luke Mead was was, was on the pitch, and you know. Thomas Monaghan and Connor Whelan and Whelan did some good things on limited ball, but Galan just just looked, as I said, like a you know a class apart and a fella that was you know playing at the peak of his powers and he's still, you know, he's still whatever twenty twenty one years two years of age, um you know so there's to arguably better to come from this guy so, uh you know if 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 I was John Kiley and and you know, I was getting reports and then I'd be a, I'd be a happy man and obviously you know the depth Limerick are building with Peter Casey these other guys trying to break into the team as well. Um, they're in a very, very strong position, but Adrian, you know, Kilkenny would feel that they had they had every chance to beat Limerick last year. Uh, certainly, Clare, Cork, Tipperary, the other Munster contenders will feel that you know on, on their day, Limerick aren't that far ahead of them. But certainly, from what we've seen to date, uh, as I said, they are the bar for everybody else, and, and there seems to be. You know, in terms of the way they handle the success, a real hunger that you know, this isn't going to be a one-soft. This is a team that, that plans and wants to win more, and is a, that, that, that's a reflection of how well John Kiley is, has managed them.
2: The interesting thing there is that they seem to have got stronger physically than they have last year. They haven't just kind of plateaued or got back to where they were at physically last year. They actually seem to have gone up on another notch. They look bigger. And I'm like, this is something we've seen with Galway over the last couple of years, Jamesy, that Galway were kind of seen, and if you were at a match, you'd see that they're kind of towering figures. Is this kind of a, a sign of where Hurling might be going over the next couple of years, that if you're bigger, you're, you've got a better chance of actually getting into teams?
4: Yeah, I mean, again, this was a, you know, I'm not a semi-conditioning expert, but I'd imagine that you know when Joe O'Connor or, or you know the senior coaching coaches take over, they're working to a plan, and, and often these plan, you know, it's, it's not a one-year plan; it's maybe a, a, a three, four, five-year plan. And the Limerick guys are probably into year, year, year two or year three of that program, and you know they're doing the work in the off-season, and it's it's not like these guys now let themselves go or or you know you know lose the gains that they they made. If anything, they hold on to them and then and then add to them and build build on them. So, yeah, listen, power is. Powers obviously a, a kind of big role to play in the modern game, and you know you can't but be impressed with the physique of of of, of the Limerick squad. And as you say, the Gobber guys certainly um, you know have got have got bigger, and they're a big physical team anyway. But uh, you know their interest is look at probably year you know year three or year four of these um, of these programs, and you know you can certainly see the gains that they're, that they're making year on year.
1: If, like if it is a case that they've been looking at the other players and it sounds the other teams and it sounds like it probably is and uh, bulking up on the back of that, it's, it, it strikes me that it probably would have been almost easier for John Coyley and the management team in some ways to have gone, well, look, at, we did it this way in 2018, it worked then, we're just going to go with the same thing again. Like there's uh, some, I mean, there's a bit of a bravery around uh, tweaking stuff like that because the, the impact of that physical thing, I mean, it could be anything. We see it with golfers quite frequently that it puts their... You know, if they bulk up or if they lose significant amount of weight, in some cases they can it throws them off kilter a little bit. There's a an inherent risk almost involved with that.
4: Yeah, but I don't necessarily think they're you know that they're bulking up or putting on muscle mass for the sake of it. I think it's it's probably as part of a, a part of a program. And these guys, a lot of them are, are, are young. They, they're still they're still growing. They're still getting stronger. And you know, I think the big thing is it doesn't seem to have impi- impacted or impinged in any way on their, uh, on their hurling. And as I said, Galan was you know, ripped yesterday. But, I mean, certainly his touch, his, um, you know, his strike and everything about his game was was where you'd want it to be and, you know, where you'd expect to see it um, come summer. I thought saw he was so sharp yesterday. But it was his ability to win his own possession. And, you know, Kilkenny and, and Clare, I, I was at that game and then it was obviously two weeks ago. And again, both sides impressed me again with their physical conditioning. I mean, you know, so I don't necessarily think that Limerick are, are miles ahead of everybody else in, 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 in that department. But uh, you just, they are the barristers and they're maybe the ones that the that the focus is probably on that um, it maybe doesn't appear to be on, on, on you know on on the other teams in the competition. But that's not to say that Kilkenny and Clare and Tip and the other division one A teams aren't doing the same uh, the same work and the same type of work in the gym.
1: Yeah and Limerick are at Kilkenny on Sunday at Nolan Park, uh, Sunday at two o'clock throwing there did, you were, I think did you say you were at the Kilkenny game a couple of weeks ago?
4: I was at the Kilkenny Clare game, yeah, and um I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a it was a it was a cracking contest. Um you know, Claire obviously were coming off the, the, the disappointing performance in um in Turles and you know Kilkenny had opened up with the with with, with the win. and Kilkenny have come tennis a couple of times in the past when, you know, Clare have needed to rebound and, and um you know and Claire have Claire have taken their, their, their scouts So Kilkenny were going to be up for it and they were and it was I said it was a proper contest from the off, a really, really good game. Um and I thought Claire played really, really well and it was you know a lot of positive things from them. Shane Golan was excellent in the middle of the field. Um, Connor Cleary played really well, centre back. Some of the younger players did well, and and at the same time, you know, Cody, will I think have taken a lot of positives out of it as well because okay, Claire maybe were were five clear, and then Kevin Kelly or four clear, and Kevin Kelly got a got a late goal that maybe you know obviously narrowed the narrowed the gap. But uh, you know, Hugh Lawler thought that a lot of good things at full back, and that's a key position for for them because Party Walsh came on and um, towards the end and in, in, you know in his favour, probably wing back position and you know, automatically Kenny looked, uh, looked stronger for it. And, you know, Kilkenny were down quite a few players. Killian Buckley didn't play. Obviously, the belly Hale contingent weren't there. And, uh, and and I thought, OK, they didn't come away with the points. But I still thought there were a lot of positives for Kilkenny um, and obviously Clare to take away from that game.
2: Yeah, that's obviously like a, a key point you touched on there, is the Hugh Lawler factor at full-back for Kilkenny. Are, are you seeing that this is going to be a concrete thing for Brian Cody going forward towards the summer? Because, as you say, the knock-on effect of having uh, Park Welsh out on the wing is humongous, uh, Jamesy, because this is the sort of thing that can actually change. This could be a four- or five-point swing if they manage to take this all the way through to the summer.
4: It could, yeah, because you're up and Peter to pay Paul and, and, you know, I don't think he's... I think, listen, he's serviceable as a, as a full-back and, you know, he didn't let them down and you know, in any of those games last last year, okay, Liam Rush maybe caused him a couple of problems in the first game against uh, against Dublin. But in terms of what he gives him going forward, um, you know, wing back, especially, you know, with Buckley, the half back line as well, suddenly it's 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 a platform, it's 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 just, a, you know, potentially a really dominant line and um, you know, I, I think the only way he's going to find out about Hugh Lawler is to see him um, you know, coming up against, you know, the Seamus Flanagans and the John Connans and, and so on. And Conan is this is as big a handful as anybody in the country, and you know, okay, maybe conan had one or two moments, but I thought, by and large, you know, the fullback acquitted himself quite well, and I think as I said, Cody will, 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 you know, see see what he's capable of in these games, and that's 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 the best barometer in terms of you know whether whether he can cut it when it really when it really matters, and there were plenty of positives, um, you know, I think for Cody to take away, um, you know, from him and from from the other performances that he saw in. Innes.
1: What sort of hurling is it from Kilkenny that you're looking at, Jamesy? Because they—it uh, seemed as if I don't know if it's the conditions of the pitches or the time of the year or whatever—but they were playing a pretty sort of short. I mean, almost possession-based game. Uh, uh, maybe against Cork. What sort of what were you seeing from them? Yeah, listen again. Just
4: yeah, you know, going short when it's when it's on, keeping possession, and that's that's just the way the game has evolved now. That you know, there's one ball in the pitch, and, and teams are are, are low to give it a load to give it away, and. Like considering the players, they have to they have to come back into it, um, you know, and 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 the first maybe choice players that they were they were missing. I still thought that they played a lot of good hurling. The half forward line struggled a little bit in the second half. The clear half back line got on top. cleary was was excellent centre back, and Colin Malone had a really good game in the, on the wing as well. And both of those guys were dominant in the air, and you know, some of the Kenny supporters around me were, I was just lamenting maybe um, you know the lack of ball winning ability in the in, in, in the half forward line, and um, so that might have been a, a maybe an area of. Area of concern, but yeah, look at just, just trying to play that position game, trying to take the right option, and, and they got a lot of good scores. And as that Claire, you know, were five clear, but it didn't feel like Clare were that were that comfortable. And Kelly's goal, obviously, from the the the, the lead ball narrative us, um, you know, right at the uh, right at the end. But it was a proper contest right the right the way through, and it was that I, a game that I really enjoyed.
1: Yeah, there were. Uh, I mean, obviously, Clare were so close in so many ways last year, and did so well in Munster, obviously, and t- picked up a fair bit of criticism after the the Tip game. I, I mean, I, it's, you said it earlier on; it's very difficult to, in some ways, read too much, particularly in that first round where the conditions were uh, pretty grim in a lot of ways right around the country at that stage. Um, just from a Clare perspective, what are you seeing? Are there any new players in? tweak of systems? What are you seeing?
4: Yeah, well, Colin Goodfoyle, um, you know, had a very, very good Munster league campaign. Um, you know, again, he's a big physical player. He was playing for Mary I yesterday. Yeah. Uh, you know, so look at their, they're getting a look at him, Dermot Ryan, who you know Connor was centre back in 2013. You know, he's an exciting prospect. Um, you know, he played well, worked very, very hard at wing wing forward. Uh, Aidan McCarthy didn't play the last day, but, but, but I thought quite played quite well against them um, against Tipperary. Gary Cooney again played for Mary I yesterday. So there are some good some good young players and. Golden is kind of back from injury and maybe he's, he's a little bit older now and maybe appreciates, um, you know, the opportunity he's been given. And this is that I, I thought he was fantastic for Clare um, in the middle, middle of the field. I mean, everybody, Adrian, I think, is, is trying to build depth. Um, you know, we saw that Limerick, you know, particularly in the semi-final last year against Cork, were able to go into the bench and, and improve the team and give the team that infusion of energy that maybe that kick that got them over the line. And Cork probably, um, you know, didn't have that same depth uh and that's I think what every team now is is looking for. You know, can we find two or three two or three players that will, you know, can make the difference coming off the bench? And especially given the nature of the championship and how attritional it's going to be with the games in in in, in close proximity, you're going to need you know eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one players. And I think that's that's the big thing for 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 management now. You know, obviously, can we you know can we solve maybe one or two problem positions? Fullback for again then maybe one possible example, um, and find a couple of guys that you know have shown us that look at they're capable of living at this at this level.
2: Yeah, it certainly seems that the league hasn't been affected too much by the lack of relegation. I think we were all worried that the league would just completely fade into relevance, Jamesy. But it's actually been pretty decent so far. And looking at all the fixtures this weekend, everything that's on TV, I'm certainly watching them.
4: Yeah, um, you know, again, it's just, obviously the, the the lack of you know the lack of relegation. Uh, you know, people thought that yes. Yeah, and we made the assumption maybe that, that would maybe take the edge off it. That certainly wasn't apparent in Ennis. As I said, it was it was a proper contest, and you know Limerick and, and, and Tip um, the night before, um, you know, was exactly as you'd expect it to be as well. At the end of the day, I mean, look at players want to play in these games, and underfoot and conditions in, in Ennis, um, you know, were, were really good. The pitch is really good there. It was it was you know good yesterday for the for semi final, um, and you'd hope that the weather is only going to pick up as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think there's been no dilution of, of the competitiveness, and especially you know when you have maybe some new faces and managers maybe have a bit more scope for experimentation. W- w- you know, with the, the same pressure arguably not been there. The guys that are out there want to impress and uh, they want to win these games. And as I said, um, it's still very early. It's still it's still the middle of February. But uh, if it's a foretaste of what's to come, um, I think we're in for another uh, really
1: exciting season. Jamesy, really good. to the call. Thanks, a million. No problem, guys. Talk to you. Thanks a lot. James O'Connor on the line there. Uh, looking ahead to the weekend's hurling. We're going to talk boxing, rugby, running a on the way. Alan Quinlan standing by. Darren Cleary up next with all the latest uh, in the world of live sport. Uh, but before that, Kevin Caban has been on the uh, airwaves of all varieties during the week. I mean, one real topic, obviously, at hand, it's the, uh, what he calls, farcical nature of a Declan Rice's international switch. And he says and a rule change is now an absolute necessity. I've been in
5: there. And I can tell you now, every one of the players, when I was part of that squad, when you had a lad coming now, I'll, I'll, I might hang fire on that. were pissed off at it. Every single one of them that were in the squad, and I doubt it's changed. It, it's only it's only eight years later. Mm. It's, it, it hasn't changed. And if it has changed, I'd be I'd be very very surprised, really really surprised, that as soon as Declan Rice has turned down the chance to go and play alongside those players, that that he would be welcomed back 100% within that side. Because in the back of your mind, you've got someone who was willing to jump ship. That's what it is. And he has jumped ship now. Thanks very much. On your go. I've I've got no problem. Everyone thinks that there's no problem with, in my mind, for him declaring for England. I couldn't give a, I couldn't give a toss about that. I really couldn't. It's no issue to me that. But the problem being is that he has, as you say, used the shirt, auditioned for better things by, by playing for us. and, yeah under twenty ones I, under, I understand it to an extent maybe at 18s, 19s or whatever it would be, but when you 're getting under the twenty one level, you know you know when certainly when you get into senior level it shouldn't even be you uh, shouldn 't shouldn't even be talked about that 's it. The rule has to change simply has to change in my mind because it 's a farce.
1: Kevin Caban on the show. You can check out that full piece. He's got some very strong things to say. It's up on our uh, YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com forward slash bolts. So go and check that out. Do keep a comments coming into us. Uh, we've lots up for discussion this morning. We have rugby to come. Rona Nagara uh, standing by in Auckland, I think. And Alan Quinlan, bit closer to home, uh, will be joining us in the studio very shortly. But before all of that, Darren, good morning to you. Good morning, Adrian. League of Ireland hipster beside you there. I don't know if you've been uh, listening to Owen is going to dip his toe. You'll be one of the... Long established hipsters of League of Ireland fandom.
6: Yeah, I was I was on the League of Ireland before it was fashionable to be on the right. League
2: of Ireland. You've got splinters, you go against the grain, somewhat
6: Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm a lifelong Shells fan,
1: so don't hold it against me if you're a fan of Rovers or Pats or Corkard and Doc.
2: I've already it. taken deep offence to that. Yeah, do
1: you want to make, make the case? Because he's, he's, he's currently a floating voter, which may change tonight.
6: Depending I'd love him to going. go to Shells because this is a great time to go because they're probably going to win the first division. Mm-hmm. There'll be a big buzz there. There's a new investor, a new owner, a young manager just retired from from football left Bo's Ian Morris put together a really solid squad with the best striker in the first division in Kieran Kilduff who left dock to go away to Jacksonville and is back now in Ireland and playing for Shells we have a great chance of being promoted
1: yeah. good times are rolling in talk else, of it's double hipster because it's first division so, oh that's yeah. so I mean, hipster I'll, to, I'll
2: definitely go to the that's my say are, go,
1: are you going tonight? I can't go tonight. Ah, oh, darn I can't
7: oh
6: go God, oh, Shells oh, aren't playing tonight. the first away. division starts next week. Oh.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> Come on, lads. Shells, shells start against goalie next, next week. week. You said, I can't go tonight. Was I at home thinking, oh, you're going for a few points or something instead? No, 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 <laughs> no. The first division starts next week. Stop So that. you're going to go to Bo's tonight, and then next week, you're going to promise now on air I'm that not you're going in to go to... I'm not
2: in the country next weekend, but the weekend after that, I'll... Where are you going? I don't know why I said that. I'm going to be in Budapest next weekend. really? I mean, right, you're, you're, going to, you're going to remind me of this, and we're going to have a good conversation What's about to Budapest? this. Not out next week. <laughs> myself and a few mates are going over. Be careful, because so the last
6: time you went
1: on holidays, you got a the, box
2: in the head. Exactly. So uh, no box. I didn't get a box in the head, but I, I won't come back with any Worry more scars. Which
1: are you in Budapest Buda or in Pest?
2: Don't know. Actually, I need to check the address. I'll get the Airbnb details and get back to you on that. The Gellert
1: bats. I Highly recommend. Check out the Gellert Bats. Yep. They're like old Roman style bats where you go in and. Yep. Essentially get your kid off and um, just hang out in Roman Baths. It's well worthwhile.
2: Yeah, hanging out in Roman Baths is certainly <laughs> what uh, something's going to... Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure to check Good. That out, Adrian. I look forward I, to your for
1: report afterwards. I um, don't know how we got you can there. You could be the next time we <laughs> What? You know, the travel program.
2: Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's exactly what came to my mind when you said I could be the next time you go as well.
1: <laughs> right, Darren, kick us off. I'll
6: save you from yourself. Irish football fans haven't had a lot to be pleased with this week with Declan Rice defecting to England but it is Christmas Eve for Irish football fans because the League of Ireland is back and the Champions Dundalk begin a new era in the familiar surrounds of Oriel Park. Sligo Rovers provide the opposition. The double winners start life without Stephen Kenny but his right hand man Vinnie Perth is now pulling the strings. Rory Higgins and John Gill also part of the management setup as Dundalk go in search of a fifth league title this decade. The match comes Too early for Jamie McGrath, who's almost ready for a return to action. Jordan Flores is in contention to make the squad. He's working his way back to match fitness. Now, John Gill is confident Dundalk will still be the Dundalk fans know and are accustomed to, despite losing the man who transformed them, Stephen Kenny. Maybe what people
5: you know tend to forget is that it wasn't only Stephen that won the leagues it's you know pl- like players win ga- players win games managers get too much credit when things go well and they get too much take when, when, when things don't go well and um, it was a team effort up there that's no no fault of Stevens. he Stephen is you know he, he was the one the figurehead but like really it comes down to players and when you've good players with good habits with hunger and motivation that's what wins trophies
6: now St. Pat's aim to plot a path into Europe this season that's the goal of their new manager Harry Kenny the Dubliner replaced Liam Buckley at Richmond Park the opening night pits them against Cork City Chris Forrester one of the most gifted players ever to grace the League of Ireland pitch he's back at Inchicore and here's why
7: um, it wasn't too difficult if I'm honest with you um, I've been talking to Chris over the last number of one months um, I've been keeping an eye on one I've noticed he hadn't been playing with Aberdeen he had a good season with Peter Burley it- season before that but uh, when he went to Aberdeen uh, he wasn't doing so well so I I spoke to him on the phone a couple of times and uh, it was difficult enough to get him out because Aberdeen didn't want to let him out but uh, in the end uh, not that he forced his way out uh, he just wanted to come home and be happy again and start playing football and we were delighted that he came our way we saw in
1: his previous spells with Pats and with Bows how brilliant he can be as a player you know what is it about Chris Forrester that makes him so special
7: Ah, he's he's fantastic ability on the ball. He sees passes. He's a good dribbler. Of the ball. Uh, he's a technician. He's very very good, and uh, he's a great creator of chances. And uh, he's he's not a bad goal scorer himself. So yeah, he's got he's got everything um, a footballer could have. And we're just trying to improve his fitness at the minute. Um, mm. He hasn't had uh, too much game time at Aberdeen, so um, we're getting there with him. But we're delighted to have him.
6: Now, Shamrock Rovers begin their quest to recapture the SSE Tristy League title tonight. The Hoops begin their campaign away to Waterford. Owen has mentioned he's soon to be a League of Ireland fan, but he's not the most high-profile person to buy into the League of Ireland. Dolly Parton now a fan. There she is with some Shamrock Rovers players. She's
2: a bigger League of Ireland uh, fan yeah. than me, I think.
6: Yep, that uh, is a cardboard cutout of Dolly Parton. They have partnered with Dolly Parton's Imagination Library, which works to gift books to young children across the world. And from today, they're making books available free to all children aged up to five years old in Dublin Twenty Four. Pictured there are uh, Dolly Parton's likeness in cardboard form, Aaron McInniff, Ronan Finn, and Daniel Carr.
2: I legitimately thought that that was a real Dolly Parton. Did all, yeah, and me too. I just kind of was there accepting the fact. Yeah, she was just there with wonderful players.
6: Rovers I, I, I
2: just accepted it.
1: Can we see it again? Do you really think that's Dolly Parton? It's, I thought it was too, yeah. I have to say, yeah. yeah. It's pretty good. You didn't bat an eyelid though when I said Dolly Parton there,
6: a League of Ireland fan. You, you were like underwhelmed by that. Well, it, it, of it. It,
2: it, I've been told that it's the greatest league in the world. I so, so also, she's one she's an one incredibly one of the greatest smart,
1: in astute businesswoman, Dolly Parton, and that would seem like an incredibly smart, astute business decision. To get in
6: the League of Ireland bandwagon while it's popular. Oh, and does that sway you? Dolly Parton's on for Rovers now, are you thinking about them?
2: Yeah, 100% I am, yeah. H- huge Dolly Parton fan here, mm-hmm. so Rover is, Rovers next up. But only if Rovers not, till I die. Me and uh, the cardboard cutout.
6: Now, both start their campaign at home with a match against Finn Harps. Newly promoted UCD face a very tricky trip to Derry. The champions, Dundalk, of course, begin against Sligo Rovers. Those games start 7.45 this evening, the start time for all five games in the Premier Division, the first division kicks off next week. There is a full and comprehensive preview to the League of Ireland season. It's Jamie Moore and Off The Ball's League of Ireland podcast on all our social channels and the website offtheball.com Now the Arsenal manager Unai Emery is confident they can overturn the deficit against Bate Borisov. They lost 1-0 in Belarus in the first leg of their last 32 tie in the Europa League last night. Ross Barkley scored his first European goal for Chelsea. They beat Malmo 2-1 in their first leg. Now Celtic could be heading for an early exit from the competition. Goals from Denis Cheryshev and Ruben Sobrino saw Valencia comfortably beat the Hoops 2-0 now, John Small and Bruno Buglioc will be punished for their roles in a brawl that broke out in the Kerry-Dublin game last week. The trouble began after the final whistle as the Kingdom edged a cracking encounter by a single point. The Central Competition's Control Committee has singled out Small and Buglioc for punishment. While both players have been proposed for one match ban, Small's punishment will be doubled as it's the second time in the space of 12 months that he has been found guilty of a Category 3 offence. It follows a straight red card in last year's Leinster final win over Leash. Now hurlers are being warned of the dangers of modifying their helmets. After one player sustained an horrific hand injury from a metal bar in a modified face guard, in the February edition of the Irish Medical Journal, doctors called for the rules around helmet modifications to be enforced by referees. Before we show you the picture of the injury, anyone with some uh, sensitive uh, sensitivities to injuries of hands of gruesome nature, please look away now. This is what happens. Squeamish? Don't look. Don't look.
2: Ah. Ah,
6: that was the case of one club player ah. who had a metal bar from an opponent's face guard penetrate his ring finger and exit his little finger. Um, the experts say we believe that there is a lack of awareness among players and coaches as to the dangers of helmet modification. These modifications are responsible for some of the most serious injuries
1: sustained in hurling. Adrian, why did you look? If is you that, was,
2: Is that sound you were making an impression of the person who had a metal bar in his hand?
1: I'm not good with... Uh, I would be the sort of person... I, fe- I felt a okay obliged, given that I'm here chatting to you in the studio, but if I was at home, not having being required to look at that, I wouldn't have been looking at it. It's grim. It's really bad. What, so, the, people the are modifying you. their helmets to... To what? see better. They, you, so, you, you you could modification some, is what? Taking out a couple of sections of it or what? Yeah.
6: And then, so how did he end up with that? I'm not quite sure how he would have ended up in, in that situation where the bar
1: was still... Maybe you would take out a couple of the bars way. and move them slightly to the side or something.
6: Perhaps. Or maybe, or maybe any- he bent it up the way to see... Mm. I'm not too sure, but um, Jesus Christ. one of the doctors actually from the Irish Medical Journal is named Owen Sheen.
1: Well, so one of the three doctors that... Are you or Owen Sheehan? Sheehan. the real Sheehan. Yeah, right. I'm a
2: League of Ireland fan, I'm a travel journalist and I am a doctor.
6: <laughs> um, the final word on that is they say that as footwear studs are checked prior to rugby or soccer and gloves inspected in combat sports, the inspection of safety equipment should become mandatory pre-match checklist for any referee or match official. So they're calling on referees and officials to actually look at helmets and see whether or not they have been modified or changed in a way that could make them dangerous to the player wearing them or the player in opposition to the player. Are wearing
1: them. Right. That's you? That's me. Just before you go, um, on just to give you a bit of a flavour of what you can expect on your jollies. There you go. Wow, lovely. I, mean, you, I know you were like, mocking me when I suggested earlier on, you were like... Not
2: really, it's just such an obvious uh, thing to suggest when you go to that city.
1: That's not really... I don't I've mean, been there, it doesn't pressed? look like that. No, there's an internal section to it that this is what that's we're what looking that's, at. That's, that's what i You see the shorts that lad's wearing there? Yeah. Mostly there's no, you, you, no shorts. They give you a sheet. If you want to wear the sheet, you can wear the sheet. If you don't want to wear the sheet, don't worry about
2: it. I wouldn't imagine the sheet would hold up fairly well in water. but I'll It doesn't I'll, hold up at all well, I'll, short I'll, I'll certainly uh, remember not to, to bring any uh, swimming garments then.
6: If you're hoping to meet any women there, own, I'm just going to let you know in advance, you will not meet any women there.
1: Thank you very much. When I went one. there, it was there, not one woman in the place. So they have a men's women and a women's section. I found this out having been there... Um, with a woman and uh, we went in Head and went sneak oh we great we'll, we'll, I'll see you inside and we great we we'll are go in and have a chat I was like oh there seems to be a lot of men around here I wonder when should we, you know
2: and she ditched you um, and you never saw her again exactly <laughs>
1: like the old school
6: playground the lines are divided you cannot cross the other side of the playground Darren thanks William cheers guys and
1: enjoy Budapest um, sharing his frustration <laughs> with the, the to be here, like. shambolic Declan Rice saga uh, Kevin Caban was, uh, I, I mean, there's endless clips of Kevin Caban this week speaking about Declan Rice, and here's another one. Uh, the issue affecting Irish soccer, uh, likened it to the issue affect, uh, afflicting Irish soccer uh, to that which is providing such astounding comfort to Irish
5: rugby. So I'm 24 years of age, I've not played for any country, and all of a sudden I've started to progress and do well, and I get called up by England. I honestly couldn't have stood there and listened to the national anthem and, 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 and as I saying, have that pride that's within you. It, you know it, half, half of the pride when you 're playing for, for your country is is listening to the anthem, knowing what it means to you and your family that 's half of it now you 're taking all that out of it and I know I, I'm, and again, it may be something that Gary said last night, and maybe i 'm a, I'm a total romantic in that respect, and I get that I, I know that that a lot of people don 't feel like me in that respect in that respect, but it 's it's, it's there for us it's there for, it 's there in my mind is how it is when you 're growing up, you should play for the country that, that you actually see. See, see the flag, See, uh, listen to the anthem and everything that that, that, that that entails because that is what's within you that, that is, that's what it means to play for that country I don't necessarily think because somebody comes and moves over say someone came over and moved to England and because they've moved to England they were born in Australia or wherever it was then they can qualify to play for, for Northern Ireland for Scotland, for Wales, for, for England or, or whoever it would be there's, there's, no, there's no allegiance to the country There is absolutely nothing within that. The rule states you can play, brilliant. Do I want to get on board with our rugby side where we're actually just nationalising people that have been in the country for three or four years? No, I do not. They're not Irish, so why are they playing for our country? That's the way that it is. That's the way that I think. I can't change my mind on that. It's how I was brought up from a boy. So I I don't know what you want me to say here. Yes, I understand that people have different opinions from me and people think differently from me. I'm not going to change my mind on it and, and... and get on board with that statement that Declan Rice has made, that I'm a proud Englishman. I can't get on board with that because it's total rubbish.
1: Kevin Caban uh, has mentioned some strong things to say in relation to the Declan uh, Rice uh, saga. Uh, that's not going away, way, unfortunately. Uh, that's the way that is. Ron McGarrett is going to join us very shortly. Alan Quillen, good morning to you.
8: Good morning, Adrian. Where are you at
1: with Declan Rice?
8: Um, <laughs> are you... I well, mean, I, I tell you, there's a, there's a tweet that PJ Gallagher put up... Um, the lads want to find it and I, re- I I liked it and it said something along the lines of um, I hope he poos in his pants for the next two years every time he plays
1: he's not wishing him well is what you're saying
8: yeah I'm kind of I'm a, I'm a little bit like that um, it's a money move and it's a I hope a, a, Declan
1: Rice shites his shorts every match for a year right, I didn't want to say that <laughs> I think it's unlikely an unlikely wish to come true um But, I mean, the comparison's been made, obviously, with the... There's been a whole bunch of players that have... It's a different scenario, but there's a whole bunch of players, obviously, that have come to Ireland and assumed nationalisation at some point or another. And, like, the idea that... And I know Kevin has no (coughs) time for this argument whatsoever, but that... um, The idea of nationalism has changed now, and it takes on a whole bunch of different uh, guises. It it takes on what's what's best for me.
8: It's not not what I feel and who I'm loyal to. It's what's best for me. And that's the
1: commonality between the CJ Standers and the Bundyakis and the Vecton Rices.
8: So there's a perception that the the, the CJ Stander and Bundiaki and these guys came here specifically to play for Ireland, um, which I don't think they did. I think they came here with the opportunity as... For Stander to to um, to play for Munster and change, and if it works out, and you know, he, I don't think initially they're saying, "I'm going there for three years."
1: Is there um, not a quiet word from somebody saying, here, listen, come in," and if everything goes according to plan? Oh yeah,
8: sure, good. sure. That that's part. The agent will be told that, and yeah. look, if you if you. Um, there is a bigger picture, and you'd be naive to think that there's not. And, um, you know, you target certain positions over the years, and I think the RFU have done that very astutely. It's a long-winded, it's a long debate, and I respect the people's opinions on it, whether they think it's right or think it's wrong. Um, but I think the Declan Rice one is, it's a career move, and it's not. He's, a, he's 20 years of age. He's a kid. Mm. Um, he's still very young. It's his advisors and the people around him have kind of... Brought, like as i said if you if you if you built out the national anthem i just don't know how you can change and sing another national anthem this has to happen there has to be cut off point i think it's 18 or 19 if you get involved with a senior team how you can play a senior friendly for one country and then go well by the way i'm not going to play for them there needs to be some change in that rule there that it cuts out this stuff in the future but he's a loss to Ireland mm. but I think it's That's a, the thing, it's the a complete younger, career move.
1: Yeah. Ronald O'Gara i put you on the spot here do you have anything to offer on the Declan Rice saga or will we move on?
0: Move on lads.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, the it, nation is told. <laughs> um,
0: no, I, I, I haven't followed it uh, but um, I obviously saw what Kevin Kilbane and a few of the boys were saying and um, it's it's uh, yeah, you kind of need to know what you represent and what your values are. But as Quinny said, he's 20 years of age, so um, quite difficult and you're highly influenced at that age.
1: We've uh, put Christchurch up as your uh, caption there, but Auckland, I'm assuming, is it?
0: Yeah, the Crown Plaza in Auckland, very glamorous, isn't it? <laughs> it?
1: It
8: looks a bit bog standard. Have you any photos written behind you, rod there to kind of brighten up the picture a bit? <laughs>
0: No, it's the uh, life in the hotel room now tonight. So, I'm here tonight, tomorrow night, and back down Sunday. So, um, yeah, only dying to chat to you. I, I can keep you going for the morning now, lads, if you want. <laughs>
1: Good, we need you. We've had like 15 guests I'd already pull out, so stay with us. Um, here, the, the, it's obviously Super Rugby starting this weekend for people I'm sure they're aware. Uh, and you're starting against the Blues tomorrow. Started, yeah. I was so, looking at your, your record at Eden Park. Mixed enough.
0: Yeah, it's um,
1: your your record on. personally.
0: Um, when when I used to play for Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously I never beat them, so that would mean I'd have a poor record there, Adrian.
1: You know, actually, <laughs> you you had. I mean, I know you're having a dig at me, and that's fair enough. I, I'm, I'm okay with that. You enjoy Did You, you have one win at Eden Park. Uh,
0: with who? The Lions. The Lions. No. Yeah, beat?
1: it was. Oh, yeah, no, it was, yeah, it was, wasn't it? Was there, Or was it the Australia game?
8: I tell you, he had yeah. a great...
1: The Australia game? He had
8: a very enjoyable time in 2002 there when I came on the field on the 58th minute in the <laughs> second test against the All Blacks and he, he just came off the field and got replaced for David Humphreys and had a big grumpy head in him, as he usually had. Um, but... I went on the field and I landed back in the same seat 60 seconds later with him and Jesus, it, it cheered you up no end, didn't it? It just made your whole night, you totally forgot about being withdrawn from the match yourself and you thought this was the best entertainment ever. I was back in the bench with you. That was a good night for no. you, wasn't it?
0: <laughs> oh, sometimes you have to laugh, don't you? you well, that was it, yeah.
8: Uh, I couldn't laugh at the time. 2011,
1: no, know, 2011 against Australia, Raj.
0: Yeah, I know, I know, no, it's a great, it's a great surface, it's a great, um, stadium actually, um, so, it's, uh, yeah, it's Super Rugby started tonight, uh, Highlanders down to 14 men, I don't know, did you see the red card, um, no. very, uh, another highly, uh, debatable decision, but obviously, trying to make the game safe, you should have a look and see what you think, but, um. Um, red card and Highlanders down to fourteen, and they turned the game around and they beat the uh, Chiefs at in Hamilton. So, um, yeah, one game on, and there's a an nazi game now on at the minute. So the Rebels are playing the um, Brumbies. So it's full on now, yeah. super rugby.
1: What's your uh, so What's your week been like? You were obviously here last weekend, and then you're in transit, I presume, for most of the majority of it over there. What does your week involve? You're obviously been spoken about by some. Significant names in the game over the last number of years about your quality as a coach and what you're bringing to it. So tell us what that is. What my
0: week was, or what what my brief involves. Sorry,
1: your what your week was. So what's the? Oh,
0: well, my week was. So yeah, I left. Um, I left Virgin Media on uh, Sunday night, and I flew I at eight o'clock after the France England game. I got to Christchurch at. Quarter to two, got home a quarter past two, shower, got up to the club for three o'clock. Um, Tuesday afternoon is kind of individual development opportunity for the boys in the club. So people kind of look at, for they have a three-hour period where they have a, an opportunity to progress in interest outside the game. So some people would do, um, you know I mean, a course with police officers. Some people would do... Um, maybe financial management exams. Other people might um, see sports psychologists. So it's very, very, very individualized. That's what they do Tuesday afternoon. Wednesday it was. It's kind of um, an individual skills day. So the hookers would throw. The nines would do a bit of passing and box kicks. Whoever wants to kick, there's an optional kicking session. I joined in on that, and I was rusty. Very disappointed with me. My um, my kick quality Wednesday afternoon, uh, and then Thursday is full on. It's a big day. It's it's in our time, Quinny and myself stayed the Tuesday was probably the big session, but Thursday is the is the big kind of. So in the morning, is clarity and kind of walk, clarity, and then Thursday afternoon is full on. Um,
1: and are you working game on ga- game plan, running Sorry to crash. Are you working on game plan then over the course of that? Or where? How does your uh, brief this week fit in then to the sort of overall scheme of things for the game yeah. plan for tomorrow?
0: Yeah, good question. Yeah, so basically, I would be um, just getting running lines or thoughts or positional shape on first phase attack. So every time we have a line out or a scrum what are we hoping to achieve and why are we hoping to do it and what does that look like for for the backs? I wouldn't be kind of, I wouldn't be in control of the uh, the forwards running lines. I'd be in control of, the, you know I mean, everything about the backs basically.
1: So where does that intersect between whatever the work the forwards coach is doing to get clean ball off a line out, for example, use that? Uh, so
0: yeah, for, so for example, we would kind of uh, start with uh, units. So units clarity would be the forwards doing their stuff the backs doing their uh, detail and then when we come together as a team um, the attack coach would kind of take what we did in backs units and forwards units and put that together
1: Right um, and I presume you were, because I know you mentioned last week about when you were in with the lads, you were talking about the quality of that uh, Blues team, they've not had the easiest of, uh, well a few years really, um, you'll be, take some heart I'm sure from the fact that Sonny Bill is on the bench but few decent players in that back line
0: yeah there is what you expect that you know I think um, once you're going to get involved in coaching I think you obviously um, do a fair bit of analysis of the opposition but you'd be surprised um, the the amount of um, I suppose time involved with your own team that's that's what concerns me basically there's 17 backs only 10 of them get to tag out so you have the Kind of uh, management of the seven out of the group, and then the ten that are going to represent the group at the weekend. So, uh, so much focus is getting ourselves right. I, I find I put a lot of my suppose, time and effort into that because it's something you can measure and something you can control.
2: Ronan, I know you've only been back down there for a couple of days, but what's your sense of what the New Zealand rugby fraternity think of the Six Nations? Do they watch it a lot? Have they been looking closely at Ireland and England's performances?
0: Yeah, I think they were just, uh, it's 30 degrees in New Zealand at the minute, so no one, I suppose, uh, understands, especially because of all of the teams I played and when we went down there, it was, um, all was really, um, really cold and, and horrible conditions. So the, I suppose they just kind of are fascinated with, the, I think in the Ireland-England game, they saw the players up close and they was, uh, breathing fog coming out of their mouths you know so it was like was it that cold and I said yeah it was that cold you know um, but they were impressed by England I think a lot of people were uh, I mean just comments in terms of England were good you know England were good is what they were saying and when, when
1: Yes line breaking up there small small bit, we try and reestablish that mm-hmm. and uh, get back to Ron there in a couple of minutes um like an interesting brief obviously that he has in trying to stitch all that stuff together where it's interesting to hear that, like, as you know, you'll be inherently aware of it, but from the layman's point of view, when you're looking at rugby and you're seeing all these moves stitched together, it just seems like such a normal thing. And actually that breakdown of you do the line out, I'll do the attack move that works off that, like there's a highly technical... Yeah, and you're
8: trying to gel all that stuff together and just and player input and, uh, from that, but... Um that's probably the key get the get the week right it's all about planning and being prepared as best you can and that everyone knows their role
1: yeah um and ideally get off to a winning start round tomorrow and soon uh, objective a for yourself and the coaching team
0: yeah i suppose it's there's a great um i mean it actually the result hasn't even been talked about it's been uh very performance driven and I know that's cliched, but there's a big thing here about just getting better or get beaten. It's a great phrase, you know, so you either get better or get beaten. So we have to get better in every area because um, when you're the champions, teams come after you that a little bit harder and one game can make their season. So we're aware of that, but I think it's, um, you know, I mean, this would be the, hopefully if you were to do something spectacular this season and win it three times in a row, it's a little bit different to kind of back up. So last year was a bit of a pressure season. So this year there is pressure, but um, that's not the right mindset to go into this campaign. But I think there's a really sense of expressing ourselves and a sense of um, enjoying it, enjoying each other's company and enjoying the journey. And that's what makes sport, I think, very special.
8: Rog, give us a sense of the competitiveness and the bite between the the teams in New Zealand. Is it similar to, to provincial rugby here? You know, Munster Leinster play, it's a massive game. Leanne MacDonald, former Crusaders coaching the Blues, um, all these guys, a lot of these guys know each other very well. Is there a bite and is there the same kind of rivalry in the in these provincial I matches? Don't,
0: I don't I don't think there is. I genuinely don't, I think because
8: um, are they all high-fiving each other chatting before the game go out and play the match and all chatting nicely after the game what, give us more, a sense of what I it's think, like
0: you know, I think it, with the system over here there's a lot of more movement of players because of the kind of a draft system they have you know? so essentially for Super Rugby like there's 15 out-halves needed for Super Rugby for the New Zealand teams so that's a huge number alone of New Zealand players You know, so like every squad would have to hold carry three tens, so the way it happens with New Zealand rugby, I suppose, controlling the players and con- centrally contracting, that they, they move them around the five teams a lot more than you know. What I mean, I think in our time there wasn't there wasn't the possibility of of you know, what I mean, three quarters of the group moving between Leinster and Munster or Munster and Leinster. And I think that's a good thing. But um,
8: we're seeing it more in Ireland now, aren't we? I, I,
0: you are, you are, but I think we're maybe only a certain amount of players, too. I don't think uh, you see it with the top players, you know, or the very top players. It just doesn't make sense, you know, Uh, because that's a real strength of the Irish system, I I find, and that those um, people playing for their provinces are are from there, and they've grown up there, and if you have 10 of them on every team, you're going to have a really strong provincial system. Um, So over here, there's obviously more more teams, Alan, so... um, uh, players move around, and they kind of uh, there's temporary replacement players, and um, there's just um, I don't think that rivalry would be as strong. But um, something the Crusaders really pride themselves on is that they've a lot of guys who are have uh, only played for the Crusaders, and the massive thing over here is trying to get to play a hundred tests for the for the Crusaders, and that's what all the kind of senior players aspire to do.
8: You said a couple of weeks ago, and I was chatting to you, you probably said it publicly as well, that when you go back, you're going to have to try and assess how do you stop Rico Ioanni, Man Nanu. Um, the Sonny Bill Williams is not playing, correct? Uh, he's on the bench. He's on the bench, but TG, TJ Fayano, Fayani, is it? Yeah. He's another yeah. Um, superb, skillful player. So I know Adrian was asking you a minute about the plan and the structure. How do you stop those guys... Uh, what do you do? Hold on to the ball? Keep it away from him. them? Uh, Yuan is incredible, isn't he? Yeah, well that's, that,
0: that's you with the ball. I think when, obviously they're going to have ball at certain places, but I think the message that I've been trying to um, drill into the guys here is that all Super Rugby players, they love time and space. But if you take away their time and space, it becomes quite difficult. So, uh, if you do that connected and you get your team connected to do that um, 50, 60, 70 times in a game, it hopefully makes it a lot more painful for them than it is for us. So, uh, Super rugby all out the tack, as you can see. If you saw the game this morning, it was just so much space. Uh, but one of our policies would be to... Um, what every good footballer likes is time on the ball. You've got to try and take away the time, Alan, or else you're going to be just receiving offloads and back on your sticks a lot of a lot of the night.
8: You're, and your superstar 10, Richie Moanga, who you're taking all the credit for, he's starting tonight. Are you excited? <laughs> <laughs> well, you said to me many times that you've developed him into the great player he is now. <laughs> so and on a serious note, are you excited? What kind of shape is he in?
0: I actually genuinely think um there's so player. much more to come. Yeah. He's he's been electric in training this week, his centre of gravity, his acceleration, his capacity to play off the cuff. Uh he's very powerful. Uh you know what I mean, he has that um to his game exactly like how Joy Carberry busts through the two forwards for for his score or setting up the score for Earlsey against Scotland he, 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 he does that regularly as well you know I think it's really his capacity to accelerate through contact is fascinating so uh, yeah it is great because he's I uh, know he's got a bite to him he 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 can give you a lip as well he's a little bit like coaching you so I have my
8: hands full
1: <laughs> I'd say between the two he it's, uh, <laughs> not he's a good player story. though yeah, Richie Moanga,
8: to be it's fair good. I've watched um, and Roger's been going on about him he's yeah. Super player.
1: Just you mentioned Joy Carberry, and you spoke very glowingly about him uh, last weekend, Ronan, and uh, the capacity that he has. And I suppose playing with instinct was the phrase that jumped out at me that you used at that time. And I suppose the question I had was that it strikes me that that's something that can really and has been really working at Munster uh, under Van Graan. But like that instinct or playing that instinct, even that move that you spoke about against Scotland. Frequently you see a Joe Schmidt player in that instance going to ground and recycling the ball, not taking that risk of almost you know, potentially getting isolated will, at some point. I,
0: yeah, I wouldn't even say it's taking that risk. I just don't know that they have that ability. I think that's what uh, Joey Carberry has. I think he's an incredible rugby player. I've always maintained he has a long way to go in terms of his game management because he just... Needs probably uh, to fine-tune his kicking game at the highest level, which will come, you know what I mean, he's 23, I think, Uh, so by the time he's 26, hopefully that will be really, really top-notch, but um, what I think a lot of people are beginning to realise is this guy, after 50 minutes in any test match, will be on the pitch. I don't know what position he will be, but his capacity. Very few players in the world will score to try. He scored against Gloucester when he came in at, uh, for Munster at fifteen. When you just kind of when he faded and swerved and took an inside ball and then got back out to score, you know, I think he has an exceptional center of gravity. He's very exciting. He's strong. He's powerful and he's brave. Uh, and he and he plays an instinct which uh, which really excites me.
1: Given the um, capabilities and the, the potential that this guy has, is there a case for just getting him in, And it, even in terms of the range of positions that he can play, is there a case for just getting him in this Irish team, running? or should we just be a little bit more patient and sort of bide our time and, I mean, go all in at 10, essentially?
0: Um, no, I wouldn't necessarily think he, he has to be at a 10. You know, I think... Um, what also is crucial later in, too, is, is, is um, you know I mean, when are uh, teams tiring and at what stage uh, will he be, you know what I mean, like there's very little space in a test game for the first 20 minutes, you know what I mean, so there's no point trying to kind of force your hand there. But maybe seven minutes before the break or after 62 to 80 minutes in a test game, the defenses are small, but flagging and that's when he's exceptional, if he's fresh. But if he's already done an hour and you're looking for him to break the line, it becomes a lot more difficult. So there's a skill in introducing him, there's a skill in um, in knowing when and where to use him, I would think.
1: Yeah, like what, just as you're talking, I wonder what shape that takes in, whether it's a year's time or two years' time or three years' time, when he is the starting 10.
0: Um. Yeah, well, like... Um, he's obviously taken his his chance big time in monster i think he's been uh consistently good this season uh and in the scottish game uh he had um you know what i mean uh, the intercept is great because it it in terms of uh it can happen to anyone obviously if he probably had the chance back he probably wouldn't have had that shot selection in terms of a pass but that that happens but you just uh you know what I mean, reset and and get going again and then he was brilliant for the rest of the game. So um you know, I mean, I think um he is an option of ten for Ireland most definitely, but um you know I mean if Johnny is body's fit and his mind is good and he's feeling good, he he'll be the starting number ten, there's no doubt about that. Uh but I think um if you were a coach and you have someone like Carberry in your back pocket you just it's it's a real um weapon um in terms of uh having them there
2: well, that's the thing like one of the big criticisms that was kind of thrown at Ireland after the England game was that there was apparently no plan B from Joe Schmidt like I'd be keen to get your take on how different a team is with Joey Carberry at 10 to a team with Johnny Sexton at 10
0: yeah very different players different stages of their careers obviously i think uh, like Johnny's head would work like a computer. He's very processed and very uh calculated, and I think uh, he has a great capacity to probably play.
1: Yeah, I think we we just lost Ronald there for oh that. Oh, sorry. Oh, you're there. Yeah, we're, we're, you're dropping in and out. And Joe's just going to sort that for you there, so stick with us for a second. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like it's I, We all, I think, in every sport, the Declan Rice saga is not unlike it, where we rush to want the Declan Rice's or the Joey Carberries of this world to be the immediate fix, and uh, we want it to happen straight away. We're not and especially... I mean, I don't think it's an Irish thing, but we're not especially patient. We want uh, an easy fix, a great fix, we want it straight away in terms of putting him in somewhere on the pitch. Bit of patience,
8: probably. We is. don't. We don't. Ha- you don't have to. I think he's uh, he's matured really well and and, and said he's wants to challenge Johnny Sexton this year. I think you know he big balls to take the make the move down to Munster and stuff like that. Yeah. I think what Roger's saying and is ha- having an option of even playing him as a fullback, uh, playing him as a twelve, or playing Sexton as a twelve. Um, he just has that little bit of could you skill put a minute twelve now? An I mean, the you,
1: midfield is a bit uncertain, isn't it, for, in an Irish context? Well,
8: you could, you can. It depends. Um, I think we've, there's so many good centres there at the moment. Um, it's probably not something that Joe would look to do. You take away really physical presence of Aki or Henshaw or 12s, but I just think having the ability to to have Carberry as um, he can play full 15 he was brilliant for mm. uh, for Leinster last year so look he's he's an incredible talent and and probably that game management is something that it just naturally improves um as you play more games
1: yeah alright um, one of the other things I to get your thoughts on Ronan, before we let you off I know it's late 20 past 10 I'm thinking your time from the he's little bit of
8: usually, from my time he's, he's tucked really up is he that. he's lights out at half 9 yeah. it was <laughs> a disaster at night I'd have to wait till he was into a deep sleep and then try and sneak the TV back would on would you eat room would you <laughs> would uh, all the time no, but most of the time with, uh, with Munster he roomed with uh, he roomed with Dunica was it for Ireland most of the time
1: Donna Corona. Yes.
8: Yeah. 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 Yep. So def- yeah of def- definitely lights for- out early though, wasn't it for you? You wouldn't know. You were back in Tip.
5: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the
1: ultimate insult.
8: <laughs> the ultimate. Right. Okay. Room with you for monster then. You were <laughs> definitely lights out. Early.
0: Oh yeah. No, I'm. Uh, I am. Yeah. I like going to bed early usually,
8: but. Uh... I called in team last week at nine o'clock one night into his hotel. He was asleep. He'd arranged to meet me. So Can't that, that tells you. Anyway, right, move on.
1: What are you like the night before a game like that? You, is your mind sort of racing about the plays that you've done? Are you trying to tweak it? I remember hearing Eddie O'Sullivan talking before about sort of second-guessing himself on the game plan, like right up to the sort of last minute. Are you a person who's uh, settled on your game plan, communicated all that across, and even if I wanted to make tweaks, it's too late? or Are you still sort of trying to second-guess yourself even now?
0: No, I think the massive, I suppose, positive about this experience in New Zealand is the fact that I just feel, I don't know, a lot more confident or mellow or secure and not second-guessing or not um, potentially causing myself that mental stress of playing every play over in your head, I think. Um you know, what I mean, you're not playing, so you just got to make sure that you have your players in the best possible um, headspace before they take the pitch. You know, what I mean, it's not about you feeling good. You have absolutely uh, very little role by by the time kickoff comes. So what are you beating yourself up over? You know, what I mean, I think you got to trust your preparation. You got to trust that you've worked hard during the week, and then you got to just find that kind of. Inner contentment and energy for game day that that rubs off in your players
1: would you be stressed as a player was that something that you would have no, done yeah
0: I, I was way too stressed much too stressed yeah i didn't didn't enjoy it really. I enjoyed the winning dressing room. I enjoyed the sense of accomplishment, but I never really enjoyed the build up i found it um too over overcoming and uh, just uh it's important I think that you just draw a line in the sand and now. You know, what I mean, there's a lot of good men that have gone, that have left, that haven't the chance for us to to analyse the game in inside out and enjoy these special moments. So I'm I'm very different in that regard. No, it's not. It's not what can go wrong. It's what can go right.
8: Do Rod, you, you just—it's uh, the last question I will ask you, just about the game. Do you feel an added pressure um, being the champions? Because I was talking about Dundalk this morning. The SSE c League is ba- back on they're champions, and we were talking about the intrigue of how do teams cope when they've won something and how do they bounce back and win it again? So for you guys, you're the super rugby champions, you're away in the first game. Is there added pressure and what's that mentality like with with Scott Robertson and the the team? You don't have all your All Blacks back yet. Do you kind of expect to go and win? This word, expectation. um...
0: I, yeah, I think last year, as I said, I think when you we were trying to back it up and, uh, and win back-to-back titles, there was probably a bit, a bit of pressure. But the the, the mindset is 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 very different here. It's very, um, I suppose, matter of fact, and um, just get better. Simple as that. And what does that look like? It looks like kind of uh, every guy nailing their detail, and every guy uh, bringing something that the team. Um, benefits so it's always what's best for the team And you just got to park your ego before you come to the dressing room and then uh, let rip when you get to the training pitch we have a lot of fun too though there's massive emphasis on fun in the Crusaders and uh, I think that rubs off I think people enjoy playing for the guy next to them and uh, you you got to work that too though There's
1: the coach ringing to tell you to get, uh, get yourself to bed
0: yeah, well, sorry, I, I think the coach deserves a mention, you know, I haven't come across a coach like Razor, he's very, uh, very different, uh, he's a bit of a mad genius, you know, I think his he excels around mindset, uh, fascinating how he views the game and how he views people's minds and how he can get the best out of them and uh, his motivation is, is, is brilliant.
2: Ronald, a final question for me then is like the the culture change that you've seen, I guess, between rugby in New Zealand and rugby in France, because obviously it's pretty trendy this week to completely bash French rugby culture. They've got it from all angles this week. Have you noticed a a big disparity between uh, the quality of the cultures?
0: Yeah, there would be, and the fact that just there's so much player movement in in France that it's hard to create that really strong player driven group. Um, You know, I mean, culture is obviously. Uh, it's when you have an environment that 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 works when when there are no coaches there that's that's what culture really is it's when uh your coaches aren't there and the players are able to run the session themselves in france it's a lot of uh holding hands and telling while in new zealand just it's um a lot of I suppose, stability in the environment and a lot of um enjoyment encouragement um uh, a lot of sharing of ideas between players and coaches. So it's it's it's. I mean, you're right. It, it's it's easy to bash the French, but I it was a huge challenge and a huge goal of mine to try and create that. And I think in Racing, uh, there was a good culture, uh, but the starting point was so so different to where a New Zealand club's culture would be.
8: Well, we'll put you forward for the French job if Jack Brunel gets the, gets the sack after the Six Nations, Rog. We'll, we'll we'll put you forward for that one, anyway. Isn't that right, Adrian? No, that could possible. be the right that's man really for the job. Right. They've taken no ice outsiders, but um, I saw Ian McGeehan put a piece, did a piece in last week after the game and said they need to get an outside an outside coach in and uh, for a change in France. So you could be the man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: <that's laughs> it. Move, yeah. move on. Yeah, Move on. Yeah. Move on. That's- <laughs>
2: Uh, that, that's like um, I, I think that's probably a good, good final point to, to touch on but like it was, you just mentioned holding hands there and the hand-holding culture that might exist in, in French rugby culture like it's probably reading way too much into this but that isn't like part of the fact that say people who are playing a little bit out of position like in that back three for France last week not being able to figure out a situation like they were presented with against England
0: well it's just it's it's too hard I think mm-hmm. to ask a player to do that you've you've you know what I mean, players playing at club level, even if they're going against other international players in the position they play, it's a 50-50 game at best. And probably if you're in the French team and you've drawn up as much direction as you would get from another team, it's probably 40-60 against the French players. Then you're getting guys that have never played or rarely at all played in that position and you're putting them in to twicken them and you're saying, okay, well, you haven't had... Uh, clarity in that position you haven't had the three or four games to bring you up to speed where you might get a confidence about your positioning and then you're throwing in at the deep end and you're said okay well defend on fire kicking game here defend uh you mean johnny may with 30 meters of space either side yeah it, it it's it's unrealistic to expect to get results that way i would find
1: Ronan, brilliant thanks William. best of luck tomorrow Cheers, lads. Sorry
0: Thanks about the connection. Chat no, that's perfect. So you yeah, eat.
1: good stuff. Thanks a lot, Ronald Agar, Live on the line there from uh, the Crown Plaza Hotel in Auckland. We stayed there before. Yeah, Is that your base. What? Good spot.
8: Yeah, it's grand. It's grand. You're talking uh, about
1: sort of post-playing days, by that glint in your eye.
8: No, it was a good location. It was in, the, in right in the centre of city and um, close enough to Eden Park as well. So. Right. I'm kind of envious. I'd love to be in that position of of uh, of, of coaching like him and seeing that culture and New Zealand rugby is incredible. Do you ever think about the doing club it?
1: Game. Um, Like you've probably jumped the fence, baby, as yeah, kind of, kind of, a friend would say,
8: too much. But um, yeah, I love I love the idea of 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 doing some sort of coaching, and I do help out some club teams and schools teams and stuff like that. But. You've got to really immerse yourself if you're going down a path mm. like that, and it was a natural progression for Raj. To be fair, he was like a coach when you played with him. Anyway, yeah, um, was he? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, he was very, very intelligent. And
1: what shape um, does that take? Like, is that in the weekend that he's into a game, or is yeah,
8: it- it's just uh, detail and, and planning and structures around um, you know what way you want to play and the opposition strengths and weaknesses, and and it comes really natural to some guys, um, and not necessarily guys who are internationals. <laughs> Top-class players don't necessarily become top-class coaches. Mike Prendergast, who played with Munster, he's done a brilliant job in France. He's with Stad now with Paul O'Connell. And Prendy is one of the most intelligent, kind of astute rugby brains that you could ever meet. Brilliant vision for for space and a a fantastic attacking coach. So, you know, Prendy didn't play for Ireland, but um, there's a lot of guys out there who... So it's unfair to kind of say, well... You know, you have to Mm. play for for your Mm. national team or excel at the top level. There's some brilliant coaches out there who haven't done that. But I just think you see some guys then that you play with that you go, they're they're practically coaching anyway. Mm. It's down to their temperament then if they want it or not, if they want to continue that. Because it's pretty pressurised. You know, his week, as he said there, is completely jam-packed with planning, structure. Uh, He's trying Mm. to balance that with your personal life and family life as well. So you hear... Co- all coaches saying they're they 're in at six o'clock in the morning and they're before any any players are around and arrive yeah. they 're trying to structure the day and what 's going on and they 're probably having coaches' meetings and it's it 's relentless when you 're a coach
2: and would your temperament be more kind of cold calculated analytical or more hair dryer treatment
8: um,
1: <sighs> you're a hair dryer man,
8: smashing the hair dryer no i 'd be much calmer as a coach i think um than I was probably as a player, I think I, I, I'm not sure if I could cope with the, the head coach role where you've got a the whole process to manage and travel and letting players go and I think the idea of going out onto a field and having a group of forwards and coaching the line out or scrum and stuff like that and obviously there's a fair bit goes with that as well but being the head coach can drive fellas bonkers as well you know, it's there's a lot of pressure with it, if you win it's great, you start losing and
1: but he comes on and it's going to be a fleeting so thing. Well. With that you're having, not making the sort of money like that you're making if you're a Premier League manager. Yeah, you just need and a gig for a year and I then you're set up for Scott
8: Robertson there having the right temperament and mindset and stuff like that. He's a very, like, if you met him, you would go, he's not, he's not your kind of, mm. he's funny, he's great crack, he's really outgoing, he's kind of not, not your, your robotic typical. type yeah. coach sometimes, yeah. you know, so he's, um, but uh, it's, it's a tough gig. Um, not a bad team to coach to Crusaders, to be to fair.
1: The quality of Pro 14, and I'm an advocate, not amazing this weekend, um, not a huge amount of games necessarily to, uh, to get stuck into. Owen's going to go to his first League of Ireland match. Quinny is one of the big storylines on the today's show. You uh, come on tonight. Have you ever been
8: to a League of Ireland game? Are going to go to Dailymant? I was in Talla a few, a few, about two or three years ago, I went to a game. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I did, yeah. I, thought, I, think, I think you see some great games in it. Some drab ones at times, but um, I enjoyed watching it. And I have I watch it on TV if I, if, if I'm at home.
1: Somebody points That's out it. that um, somebody on YouTube Peter M um, owns local club is Cork City. He's from Kerry and and uh, Cork City. He would hate that though because of the anti Cork slurs that come out of his mouth.
2: Yeah, I, I just can't help myself. A few anti Cork slurs. I suppose Quinny, you're the same as well. No, I or don't. No,
8: no, no, no. <laughs> but back in the day when I started, before I played, once I played with Munster, then we all became one, you know.
1: Did you really though? The G- Did you really? was though?
8: some rivalry, Cork and Tip and, and Thurlis now in a Munster final. Jesus, that was. That was uh, spiky.
1: We'll have a lot to get stuck. Are you back in on Monday? Yeah. We'll have a lot to get stuck into Six Nation boys then. Thanks a million for the minute. Alan Quinlan, uh, as always, on a Friday. And uh, Ronan Nagara live on the line there from Auckland as well. Uh, next up, we're going to be talking to the sports writer and activist Joanna Reardon about a piece she's written on the 20 by 20 movement uh, this week. So we'll get her thoughts on all of that. But uh, before that, we have a little clip of uh, some of the show from during the week. You've got
9: to keep taking your chances, but when you get your chance, you've got to take it, Nathan. We had a chance with Rice. We had a chance to qualify him. So And we didn't do it. So 18 Experience months ago, we should have... But you're only, you can't stop looking for outstanding players that qualify for us. Hmm. Because these two incidents have happened. You've got to keep at it. You've got to keep going for the best. And hopefully that will turn out in your favour. You can't force it. You can't make them do it. But if it's there for the taking, then you've got to take it as quickly as you possibly can.
6: And if that means putting them on for a minute at the end of a competitive international, yes. so be it.
9: Yes. And he's qualified for it. And then there wouldn't have been any fuss if, if, if he had qualified at that time for us, Rice, and he, he really enjoyed it. He enjoyed the three matches playing for us. That was the end of story. Mm. the story. The, the only thing that happened after that is we didn't qualify him. So Southgate came into the picture. And other influences came into the picture. But if it happened at the time and Rice had qualified for us, he was as happy as Larry, that would have been it.
1: Yeah, John Giles' thoughts on the Declan Rice saga on the show last night. You can check out that full piece up on our YouTube channel or on the website as well, offtheball.com. Right, we spoke to, uh, if you're watching last week, Anna Kessel, the Guardian journalist, about the new 20 by 20 journalism uh, awards scheme that's been launched. And uh, on that basis, an, an interesting article in the Irish Times uh, this week by Joanna Reardon. Women's sports uh, needs cash more than the journalists covering it. Good morning to Joanne. You're not having it.
10: Yes, <laughs> I come
1: across in that article. <laughs> the, what's your, give us, the, for people who haven't read it, give us the nub of the issue with um, with the awards scheme. Um, yeah, I suppose, when
10: um, the awards scheme came well, out, you know, I was actually as excited as well and I thought, gee, what an interesting way to get, you know, women in sport kind of on the on different pages, you know, things like that and we had to figure it like, was back it looked at like 3% of print coverage and, I think like 2% of like, some broadcast coverage was uh, dedicated to women in sports. And then I suppose I was kind of looking a little bit further into it and I was like, I Assuming, I wouldn't be too bad taking home a thousand euros I wouldn't be surprised to be honest about all the good
1: features but, uh, I Anne, You know what, We the line isn't amazing and we want to be able to sort of have the conversation where we can uh, fully hear what it is that you're you're saying and the line is not amazing and I'm sure the people are struggling to probably fully um, hear the argument we're better off sort of trying to establish that line uh, properly and then we'll uh, try and get you back up on the line as well so uh, just bear with us for a minute while we get all of that uh, get that sorted Um Uh, Yeah, so we'll come back to that in just a few minutes' time. Plenty of people have been in touch uh, with us about our uh, conversations this morning. Obviously, people suggesting that Owen uh, gets the finger out and uh, immerses himself in Cork City culture. That would be a bit slightly controversial. Like, I I live in Dublin. More than controversial. I live in Dublin. I know, but you don't, from a GEA point of view, just because you live in Dublin doesn't mean you support Dublin GEA, clearly.
2: But Kerry literally have a GEA team. Kerry don't have a Ireland team.
1: What's the... Yeah, I mean, I, like that's, that's, I, that's I do see here. some. I do see some. That's my point here. I've never
2: actually. I, I didn't grow up in a culture where League of Ireland was part of my sporting landscape. It just wasn't the case. That's why I've been on the outside looking in. Mm. At least with rugby, Munster was always a fairly big thing. At yeah. least certainly coming from the age that I am. Ah, yeah, and Although also there's I, I, actually
1: litany of Kerry players who have and play for Munster. There's that for sure, and also Munster
2: got very, very successful when I started to have a good awareness of what sport actually means.
1: Mm. And from this out there now, the basis that I have no answer to it, but I'm sure there's Kerry players that play for Cork City as well. I'm sure, uh, yes, there is. There are and 100% for club, is. Bohemians
2: too. There, there 100% is, and I know that, and that's a good point. But <laughs> uh, ultimately that's the reason behind it. I, to be honest with you, I haven't put a whole lot of rationale into it. No, you haven't, it's fair. Maybe Cork City will become the team I I support. Logistically, it just doesn't make as much sense as going down 15 minutes on the road, 10 minutes on the road... Uh, to See whoever it may be.
1: The easy option is what you're saying,
2: and that's the point. That's why I'm doing this is because it's on our doorstep, it's easy. and you never know what you're going to see. Enough, fair enough. Never, do- never not watch a football matches. Declan Lynch says. <laughs> it's
1: a good point. Joanne's back in the line. Uh, I think we've established a bit, bit of a better line. Uh, Joanne, will we take from the top there again, just so because we were, the line was dipping out again, uh, in yeah. and out again. For people who haven't read the piece, what's the essence of your uh, your point?
10: Um, yeah, so I suppose when um, I wrote the piece, you know, um, you know, last week, I think, when the awards were now, you know, I was as excited as well, you know, to, I suppose, improve the women in sport kind of coverage. And, um, you know, they had the statistics, I suppose, behind it that, like, you know, 3% of print coverage is dedicated, you know, um, to, to women in sport and, like, something like 2% is dedicated on uh, broadcasting coverage. So, you know, they had the stats and figures and everything behind it. And then, I suppose, I was reading a little bit more into it and, um you know, I was like, you know, as much as I'd love to kind of take home, you know, like the thousand euro cash prize and a monthly award that would look kind of nice on 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 my mantelpiece. Um, you know, I felt a little bit bad. You know, I suppose I'm kind of going around to different clubs and they're crying out, you know, for different facilities. You know, basic stuff that you are, you know, a men's club would take for granted, like you know, you know, cones, you know, for their drills. You know, bibs, you know, extra footballs, you know, different things like that. And I suppose really, like my point was just, um, you know, the cash prize. I suppose it would be good to kind of put it towards maybe um, the or the actual feature maybe that you've written it on instead.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the the only thing that struck me from it was that it's possible that, and indeed I actually think it's a solid idea, but that the two of them could coexist, because I can see a world where people are incentivized to, and I know from reading your piece it wasn't necessarily the thing that worked for you, but I could definitely see that people would be incentivized by the idea that actually if I engage Uh, With this board because I suppose the coverage of women's sport is not where it needs to be and that's the essence obviously of the entire movement and acknowledging that and saying actually if people some people are incentivized by having the award on the mantelpiece or having the thousand euro um, as is the case in this particular award scheme. Some people are incentivized by that and actually maybe sort of that these don't think these these things can actually coexist
10: yeah, no, definitely. I suppose I wasn't actually dissing it kind of in that kind of whole grand scheme of things. I suppose I'm like living, breathing proof that how like a media, like one media story can take off and how, you know, um, you know, you could become like the face of, you know, something. I mean, in my kind of activist, activism like career, you know, I've kind of had a good relationship, you know, with the media and, um, you know, if it wasn't for them, I suppose, portraying my story and portraying, you know, I suppose my thoughts, my feelings and everything else, you mm. know, I suppose I wouldn't be the person that I am, you know, here today. But at the same time, you know, I suppose... You know, at the end of the day, like we're we're living in a world where I suppose kind of money kind of does in a way make the world go around and I suppose you know I was kind of looking at you know the the medals that had been won you know like last year, and you know forty four had been won by uh, female athletes and you know, I think seven more were won by mixed team athletes. And, like, that doesn't, you know, in my opinion, that doesn't really come, you know, from, like, one little kind of front page snippet or one little bit, you know, on on page, you know, five of the Irish Times or whatever, like, that comes, you know, from hard work and dedication. And I suppose the facilities then, um, you know, they need the money, you know, to kind of keep going. You know, you see kind of you know, um, you know, running jobs being shut down, you know, because people aren't using them and, you know, gins, you know, um, not being used and they're not raising enough cash, you know, cash flow and different things like that. So that's when I suppose like where I was coming from and um, you know, at the same time, it's 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 kind of funny because, um, you know, I was at an event maybe a few months ago with the Irish Times, um, for their Women in Sport Awards, and I was talking to Kelly Harrington afterwards, and we were kind of laughing, you know, saying, you know, she doesn't have to do what she does, you know, for the awards or for the Irish Times to acknowledge her existence, you know, she kind of does it because she loves it, but at the same time, you know, she kind of needs to make a living mm. as well out of it, you know, and. Um, yeah, I suppose that's my angle really where are coming from. You know, I think the 20 by 20 is a fantastic initiative and I think they are doing great things and they are raising the awareness for the women, you know, in sport game. You know, I suppose, you know, for the first time, you know, my dad is like talking to me actively about like Cork ladies football, you know, or Cork camogie and different things, you know. Um, and I suppose, you know, we're kind of hoping then that the word of mouth kind of spreading as and, you know, can, can translate, I suppose, to going to games and therefore buying tickets and then, you know, paying money, you know, and that money then going back into younger clubs because I suppose the future really I suppose is on those younger clubs, um, and um, you know the standard of the competition will be raised if the younger clubs have kind of everything that they need in order to progress, you know, throughout their sport.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it's fair enough, and, and it's a point well made about the success as well and the sort of medal hall If that's how again how we measure uh, success is obviously heavily weighted on the the female side. Listen, thanks, many for taking the call this morning. Joanne, we'll speak to you again down the track.
10: Cheers. Thank you very
1: much. Thanks a lot. Joanna Reardon on the line there to discuss her piece uh, in the Irish Times. You can check it out. Uh, it was up there during the week. Uh, women's Sport needs cash more than journalists, more than the journalists covering it. Uh, and that's uh, Joanna's thoughts on that. That is, I think, pretty much it from us for this morning. Just 9.40.
2: Yeah, we
1: can, we can uh, go for the full two hours if you want. Um, you're off to uh, get yourself set for your big debut tonight.
2: Not really, to be honest with you. I'm, I was born ready for a moment like this.
1: Will you go with a bunch of mates, or will you sort of head down your own? Or what's the plan? I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, it, we'll see how that floats. Potentially, Let's see if You haven't or really organised anything. Are the tickets no, I still,
2: that's still available? I presume so. That's a, that's a bad assumption on my part. You can just do what you
1: always do doing. Just get press pass.
2: I would not. As I say, I'm here to I'm here to support the team. Like mm. if you're going to press pass, you're not going to or in the press box I don't know like you're not really going to, to, to get the full immersive experience I dare say um, you're probably to ask me to work anyway as well if I get a press
1: no box. I mean look at. I wouldn't if you're there I mean what I'd say to you is look if you're just going to the game and you're using your season ticket to go in then just do that like, but I mean, if you wanted to go obviously and work happy days you know? happy days different, is right different thing
2: though a completely different thing yeah.
1: uh, final reminder to get your tickets for next Wednesday's at night for Amanda it's at the Royal Marine Hotel in Dunleary Owen's going to be there uh, so why wouldn't you want to be there? Is the short story. What are you doing?
2: I don't like. I don't like your tone there. No, that's um, very.
1: I, I'm endorsing you. That is a. a few, I endorse this personal product.
2: A few of us doing a few panels, but uh, actual uh, GA talents as well. So right. should be great all night.
1: Um, going to be joined forces uh, with Coola GA to raise money for the Amanda Stapleton Fund. We're going to be joined on the night by GA royalty in the shape, as Owen says, of Kieran Donnelly. He's going to be there. Sean Boylan's going to be there. Tommy Walsh, Dahi Regan. Derek McGrath as well coming among us joining us uh, on the night for this off-air event so you won't hear it on air I don't think uh, tickets are just €20 Euros, so get yourself along there and you can email adult adulthurlingcula C-U-A-L-A at gmail.com for tickets uh, for that event and they are going to be worthwhile um, we're going to be back on your radio tonight from 7 o'clock and obviously all across the weekend as well with all the live support but from myself and Owen for this morning good morning
9: so if you like this,
1: you'll probably also like OTV AM, Ireland's only sports breakfast show. Subscribe to the
0: OTVAM podcast stream or catch the show live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook or OffTheBall.com every morning from 7.45am.